My name is Lex, and this week on Spidey Signals, me and my co-host Alex discuss the back half of season one of Greg Wiseman and Victor Cook's The Spectacular Spider-Man, the price of a secret dungeon in New York, and how excited you should be when you see an alien. Get ready to swing from the highest ledge, because it's time for Spidey Signals. Welcome back to Spidey Signals, the podcast where two guys with the same name talk about Spider-Man. I'm Lex. And I'm Alex. Uh, last week, we watched the first six episodes of this television program, The Spectacular Spider-Man. Good show. Pretty pretty on the nose. Pretty spectacular. They, they tend to get kind of, you know, big empty promises with these naming conventions. Cough, cough, amazing. Uh, but no, this, this, this has held up so far. We're a season in and I, I can't, I haven't noticed any noticeable dip in quality. If anything, it's been pretty consistently solid. If anything, I enjoyed this back half more than the front half. Oh yeah. There's, there's a lot more to enjoy if you are a proper noun Spider-Man guy like us. So, uh, lots to talk about this, uh, this week. Indeed. So this week we are continuing our discussion of the spectacular Spider-Man, if you didn't already know. Uh, these episodes, which would be episodes 7 through 13, uh, were first released from April 26th to June 14th of 2008. Uh, the series was obviously created by Greg Wiseman and Victor Cook. Uh, the episodes that we're talking about were directed in order by Cook, Jennifer Coyle, David Bullock, and Dan Fawcett. Uh, and they were written in order by Greg Wiseman, uh, Andy Jant, Kevin Hopps, Matt Wayne, and Andrew Robinson. And uh, we're going for a little bit of more of a, a clipped cast list, but I've added some extra names, taken some away to talk about uh, people that are specific to this back half of the season. We've got Josh Keaton as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, uh, Lacey Chabert as Gwen Stacy, Vanessa Marshall as Mary Jane Watson, Benjamin Diskin as Eddie Brock slash Venom. Steve Bloom as the voice of the Green Goblin and the Chameleon. And Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, who plays Tombstone, because Keith David only played Tombstone in the first episode. I found that out. Expensive Keith David money. Keep coming around. You know, you, you can't... Uh, he's, he's, got, he's got to go do uh, more Halo stuff, because this, this was only a year after Halo 3. God, I wish, man. Yeah, wow, I hadn't thought about that at all. Yeah, it it really does slip my mind all the time that the show is from 2008 because it still feels fresh, to be honest. Yeah, and looks good. It's, it's not, not really, like the... it's not really bogged down in any like super tight time period tied to stuff. You know what I mean? Peter's not it doesn't have like, like super time period specific animation and things like that. I think the most, or, we or get even like. like or even any like topical, relevant cultural influence, like you know, God forbid, you make a Spider-Man thing in like 2017, 2018, you don't want to see Spider-Man playing with a fidget spinner, that kind of thing. I mean, the most uh, you get is a cell phone, but I mean, those have been around for decades. Nothing that dates this too heavily as, oh, you mean the mid 2000s Spider-Man one? Okay, yeah, all right. I like, I like that one Spider-Man comic where he meets Obama. <laughs> yeah, but this came out right. before Obama was elected. So, uh, Alex. 
Would you uh, take us through the plot of this back half of the season? Absolutely, I will. Uh, We pick up just about exactly where we left off last week. Uh, We are on the night of the Midtown Magnet School Fall Formal. I'm going to interject immediately. Uh, We didn't talk about this in the last episode, but uh, there's they they make like very brief references to the fact that it's the I think the Midtown. It's M cubed. Yeah, Midtown Midtown Magnet Magnet Middle was it or is this high school? It's high school because this feels Uh, like high school. It sounds like high school. But it's some some kind of, uh, you know, it's not quite a science school like we have in some other tellings. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a magnet school. So it's basically like if you get really high grades and stuff, they'll pull you in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, yeah. I, li- I like that. I like that they're doing that. They they did that in. They didn't even really mention it, but he's in a, a sort of science high school magnet thing in uh, the amazing movies and more obviously in uh, the tom holland movies but i just i like when peter's in a a, like a sciencey high school yeah it gives more credence and more abilities to show us that he's smart instead of just tell us that he's smart yeah we are at the night of the much hyped fall formal uh harry arrives with his date glory and some of the football player you know gang in tow along with their dates in a stretch limousine comped by harry making a you know a big show of of how he's able to afford it all for the evening just uh, I, lo- I love that i love that harry's just like a perennial ass kisser yeah he's like yeah he's, he's a he's a real people pleaser he's just very happy to be there whether very or not ins- it's on his dime very insecure trying to fill the hole with uh, uh we're gonna go to the fancy restaurant with my limousine big uh big great gatsby vibes coming from this 15 year old boy exactly uh gwen is there and uh attempts to you know greet and be friendly to harry who completely ignores her and goes on his way uh you know he's unbeknownst to the the character this of this show he's in the 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 throes of goblin juice addiction it's changing him you know yeah he's he's in the midst of of drug addiction which i think he's he's busy drinking goblin sauce Mm -hmm. uh and right out of the tube straight out of the tube uh, which is, I think, a really good character point, and also it's a way of getting Harry's drug addiction that's in the comics yeah. into into mm-hmm. a kids' cartoon, but not have it be like, you know, Harry doing pill, like taking pills like he is in the comic. I I thought it was a good way to toe the line in a more, you know, this is a children's show, even if it's not strictly for kids. You know what I mean? Uh. It's a good way to tackle it. You know, we don't see him like assaulting his therapist or anything like he does in the comics, too. But it's a good way to handle Harry without just having him be James Franco again. Thankfully, um, we don't get to see that that horrendous mustache that Harry fucking, had. Oh, uh, yeah. Back then during the, the drug addiction storyline. <laughs> fuck, that was he had like a Fu Manchu. It was terrible. Oh, God, I say that. And I'm like nervously wiping my Fu Manchu. Away. No, I'm not. Uh, God, the, the 70s were a terrible time for facial hair. Yeah, you're telling me. Thanks, Black Sabbath. Uh, Soon, Peter Parker arrives with his absolute stunner of a date, Mary Jane Watson. Uh, Dude's rock. Everybody is just in in utter disbelief that that puny Parker has arrived to the formal, not with some girl with a nice personality, but with with literally Mary Jane Watson. Uh, Literally Mary Jane Watson. uh, Flash ingrains himself in the way he does and attempts to like 
make some offhand joke about Peter and him having a bet about one of them being a cheerleader for Halloween based on, you know, the dates attending this event and everything. That's that was a thing. That was a thing that was talked about in the last. uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the earlier episodes, uh, I think he was talking about he was talking about Betty at the time. Right. He was like, oh, you don't know her, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, it ended up working out for him. Oh, yeah. She she kind of turns it around on him and isn't really like phased by the fact that he's like moved in here and is attempting to make fun of her date to her face or whatever. And just goes back to dance. Uh, Harry goes to get drinks and sort of overhears this this awful little like ah poor harry moment where glory and uh kenny kong get back together like within fucking earshot of harry by the way uh you know i know the kid's a little rich smarmy asshole but you know he deserved a little better than that i think i'm I'm rooting for glory and kenny they just they they, i'm glad to see that they're happy together sure sure timing just could have been better i think also, uh, one thing I, I love about this scene is this is a really like service level observation, but I, the way that people like dance in like TV show cartoons is so funny to me. It's like so mm-hmm. like stiff and rigid. It's like, ooh, I'm dancing. Yeah, these are my 12 frames. Get ready to see them. Let's go. Um, Harry is in a state of fury and he ditches the drinks and runs out of the room to his locker where in the middle of the hallway he decides to consume some more of his goblin juice. Uh, goblin sauce. Get up. Which, which uh, you know, you gotta hope it tastes at least okay. But it is what it is. It probably tastes like Ecto Cooler. I would, I would hope so. The Oscorp has like a secret underground vault of Ecto Cooler that's not been touched. It's preserved. It, it's filled with all of like these... Uh discontinued food products there's like zima in there bernard get me a bowl of oreos give me a bowl of oreo o's <laughs> and batman the cereal we uh meanwhile across town a mysterious halloweeny green and purple costumed psychotic supervillain called the green goblin not sure if you're familiar some kind of goblin that's green a, a goblinoid type creature uh, has broken into the Oscorp laboratory late at night and stolen several pieces of equipment, including a glider of sorts. Uh, they 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 really just kind of throw the Green Goblin at us in the show. And honestly, that's great. That's fine. I love it. I discussed earlier about how I like that Norman is more involved with the villains, like mm-hmm. more it, more meshed and ingrained within that. That stuff that's going on, but I also like the fact that the goblin is just like, fuck your shit. He's like a total wild card. He's like, yep, I'm here. Absolutely. I'm doing shit. And I also like the way it's, the goblin looks in this show. He looks yeah, like the stylizing a, of it is great. He looks like a goblin. Mm-hmm. Not not tactical at all. The way not uh, tactical. He looks like a, a little elf boy. Uh, I like that they kept uh, his little finger gun which is a thing that's only in like those really early like goblin issues like yeah late, uh Ditko early Ramita era I've been watching this with, he, my, with my partner and they at a point went can he do that and I was like oh yeah yeah he can absolutely do that he has a little laser gun that he keeps in his finger and when he makes a finger like a, a finger gun he shoots lasers out of it it's a little stupid thing and I love it so much that they kept it in this show yeah I think he just has it because he thinks it's funny and it is it is very funny but yes, uh, they 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 don't make a whole big like fuss out of building up the goblin over episode episode episode. The most they do with that is just planting, you know, Harry drinking his juice, his sauce. People who know 
the character are guessing that it's Norman, but people who don't know the character are like, it could be Norman. And even then, they I throw some curveballs. They throw some curveballs for the people who, for the people who even like do know the character. I I really like that it isn't Norman in this telling, which you know you can get a little dicey with that. And there have been you know a few different goblins over the the history and course of Spider-Man stuff, but like it really lends a I don't know. It does a big favor to the show having Harry be the goblin at wrapping it all up into his whole drug thing. Uh, yeah, they tend they paint Norman almost positively towards the end of this season, but well, we'll get there. Um, but he's but he's still an asshole, so I don't know if so. he's just like fucking with with uh, Harry just to, like throw the scent yeah. off. Well, because I'm like, not I'm not like a hundred percent convinced that it's it's just Harry that's the goblin. Sure, I w- well you know, and we'll talk about this when we get to this episode. But there's a little moment later on where Peter has like a all of his loved ones in his head goading him and, you know, telling him you can do it Pete moment. And like Norman Osborn's head is there with everybody else's head for some reason. And it fucking cracked me up. It's very interesting. <laughs> all I could hear in my head was like, at least you're not hairy, Peter. <laughs> I love, I love you. My fake son that I love more than my real son. Uh, <laughs> and one more thing I want to say is sort of adding to that mystery of who the goblin is, which will obviously be talked about more in episode eight, I think, mm-hmm. uh, is that the the goblin is not voiced by the voice actor for Harry or Norman. Is voiced by Steve Bloom, which we already talked about, and he does a really good job with the the cackling evil goblin. A lot of people like to just remember Steve Bloom as oh yeah, it's the Cowboy Bebop guy. He is he's very very talented. When I think of Steve Bloom, I always forget that he plays Spike in Cowboy Bebop. I always mm-hmm. just think of him as like every generic army grunt soldier character in video games from the mid to late 2000s. Cause that, that was like his bread and butter. He, he fucking made bank off that shit. I had a, a moment where I realized the guy that voices, I think shocker is the same guy that voices Kyle Katarn and like the star oh Wars God. Jedi Academy games. It's literally just his Kyle Katarn voice, but with a little more Southern twang, like just oh barely different. really fucking funny. So back to the plot of the show. We've, we've had goblin hour. Uh, with all of this equipment, the Green Goblin flies off from Oscorp and uh, immediately goes out of his way to attack a group of thieves who are working for the big man, as we know. Big man. Um, he uses some uh, stolen money as an incentive for them and uh, kind of goads them into working for him, which they accept. So he's now armed with a personal terrorist gang, kind of. And he crashes and holds up a black tie dinner party uh, orchestrated by the big man in his in his like pseudo public alter ego philanthropy, you know, man name L. Thompson Lincoln His 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 alter ego is is actually, you know, it's kind of reversed as opposed to, you know, Peter and Spider-Man. He prefers to be Tombstone and then he has to kind of put on the L. Thompson Lincoln thing. Yeah, he's he's very unimpressed at first by the Green Goblin and uh, six his guards out to take care of this. You know, the Goblin is making all kinds of I'm going to unmask you. I'm going to tell everybody everything threats, which is like people already like have rumors about this guy being this way. You would think that like this Goblin flying around the room telling, you know, I'm going to tell him. It's like we know we, we kind of know but whatever. Nobody cares. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the guards are defeated very easily, and, uh, there's a brief moment where Air Force Colonel John Jameson attempts to fight them, but he's also taken down. 
Yes. Also play, voiced by also Darren Norris. So JJJ and his son are played by the same guy. A lot of uh, multi roles here. Some nice big fat voice acting checks went out for this show. Those checks. Peter is contacted by the Daily Bugle to go take photographs of this holdup at the party. And briefly attempts to apologize to Mary Jane. Oh no, I have to go take pictures of Spider-Man. But she is totally cool about it. Completely, 100%. I get it. I'll be here when I you I really get like that. that. It's a refreshing moment because we get... Very refreshing. There's a lot of almost artificial uh, stress that can come from any given Spider-Man story when Peter has to be here. He's at this thing he's been looking forward to. Oh no, he has to go be Spider-Man. You know, it's kind of a, a very, very generic Spider-Man type situation. And it's just nice to be able to walk away from it and be like, okay, yeah, no, it's fine that he's going and doing this. No one's going, ha, ah, sigh, where's Peter? It's just, he's just got to go do oh. it, whatever. Fuck you. Uh, Peter arrives at the Black Tie Thing event as Spider-Man, uh, where he's greeted by Lincoln. Uh, at first, Spider-Man thinks that the Goblin is simply working for the big man, but this is uh, confirmed otherwise very quickly. Uh, the Goblin then briefly tries to convince Spider-Man to join him. We, uh, I, I love any moment of that. I'm, you know, I'm a big sucker for, ah, we're not so different, you and I, Spider-Man. It, it's, He's always know, trying no. to get Spider-Man to join him. I don't know why. I think he just does it because he thinks it's fun. He wants to be Night Owl and Rorschach is what he wants. He wants to be, I guess. Know, let's go be partners, Spider-Man. You could be the Spider-Goblin. He just likes fucking with him. I think that that's that's one of the things I love about about Norman as the goblin is because, you know, there's lots of uh, they put a lot of work, especially in this show uh, to like making all of the villains, at least to a, a somewhat of a degree, sympathetic. Yeah. Uh, and they do a good job like, of that, honestly. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, all these obviously I, I did this because of this this tragedy that happened to me or some, whatever. And then Norman's just like, I'm fucking evil. I don't care. Fuck all y'all. Mm hmm. I love money so much. I love money and power and being evil. It's so fun. Almost, almost Palpatine, but not quite. No one loves being evil as much as Sheev Palpatine. No one loves being evil quite as much as well, that guy. After Spider-Man turns down the Green Goblin's invitation to become the greatest crime duo of all time, the Green Goblin makes it his uh, personal mission to kill Spider-Man. And the two proceed to fight, as, you know, happens on this show. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man shoots a web at the Goblin's glider and is defenestrated. There's a fun little bit, like, a you know, the episode starts with that, and they kind of wrap it back into the present here. They talk about, you know, the definition of defenestration, which, if you didn't know already, that's a fun one. We get a nice little, not so uncommon in this show anymore, uh, web fluid run out. It's, you know, pretty, pretty average in the show that it happens, actually. Not not one of yeah. those rare things anymore, which is realistic. You know, he shoots a lot of fucking web in a given day. Um, So he's pursued through the streets by the Green Goblin, uh, Sans Web. He finally defeats him, um, wrapping him up and everything. And the uh, while this fight coalesces, the Green Goblin explains that there is a left behind pumpkin bomb uh, back at the Black Tie event. Uh, when Spider-Man goes to find it, he can't find it fucking anywhere. And Jameson kind of opts that the pumpkin bomb would be hidden in the chandelier. There's a fun little sequence where Spider-Man retrieves it and then hurls it into the sky. Cool stuff. Uh, Spider-Man goes back to make some kind of, you know, citizen's arrest on the goblin as he's wont to do or whatever. But, oh no, he's mysteriously vanished. 
as he does. Yeah, there's uh, there's one thing that I I don't really talk about the the fight sequences in the show all that much. I mostly just let you talk because yeah. it's there's not much to say other than these fights are all really well uh, choreographed and set up by the storyboard artists and animated mm-hmm. really well. And there's there's not only so many times I can say that. So it's it's just like yeah, you know, it's a classic, great, spectacular Spider-Man fight. I don't I don't know what else to really say. Oh yeah. If anything, like leaps out in a fight, like a like a spectacularly, you know, interesting sequence, I always try to make note of that. But a lot of times, you know, it is just a quick, easy done Spider-Man fight. Yeah. If you're listening at this point, you know how it is. Yeah. Um, Back at the dance, uh, Harry's group is outside and they kind of just take to the assumption that they've been abandoned because Harry is like nowhere to be found. Uh, In actuality, he's uh, hiding very nearby them and taking another drink of the vial of formula before walking off. Uh, Soon after, yeah, you know, lost in the sauce, as it were. Lost in the sauce. Soon after, uh, Peter returns to find the dance floor pretty much completely abandoned, except for Mary Jane, who is dancing with some other guy. Uh, Pete sits down, has a great little, oh no, Spider-Man moment, when Mary Jane walks up and says that she saved the last dance for him. And that's where we cap off this uh, seventh episode at the end of the dance. Nice little. Oh, yeah. Beginning, middle and end dance, a goblin and then the dance. Very, very, very solid. Good, emotionally resonant episode. Good stuff. Uh, We go from there to the next episode reaction. Uh, We begin with Dr. Otto Octavius uh, trying to complain to still his boss, Norman Osborn about the dangers of the recent uh, series of experiments that they've been performing to create essentially super mercenaries in his laboratory, uh, but is quickly berated by Norman for his whining. Uh, <laughs> just, I, I love the the interactions between Osborne and uh, Octavius on this show. It's it's a really great take on Otto. Norman, Norman fucking with Otto is a tried and true, like, classic. There's There's nothing... Nothing quite as good as Norman just being a complete asshole to Otto Octavius and him getting mm-hmm. so mad that he turns into an octopus monster. You get two guys that smart and that maladapted to like friendly conversation. And it's I, I want to stick a third like smart asshole in the mix. I want to find like Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory and stick him in there with Norman and Otto and see how that goes. You know, that'd be an all timer argument or episode of Jeopardy. Which one? That or maybe uh, want to put a gun in my mouth, but you know that's option three. Yeah, yeah, that's option three. Uh, Octavius goes. Uh, he 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 backs down from this. You know he he can't really stand up to Norman, and uh, he goes to work inside with some experimentation uh, while Osborne departs. Uh, unbeknownst to him, the Green Goblin sneaks into the lab, activating the uh, all like the generators and and locking Octavius inside uh, with the with this key that, you know, it's kind of a, a dead man safety switch kind of thing. It, this experiment's yeah. not going to go forward unless someone is here to turn this key. Well, the Goblin is turning the key with Octavius still locked inside. Again, I, I know I bring up Watchmen all the fucking time. This is essentially like the same thing that happened to Dr. Manhattan, kind of getting trapped inside your own experiment. Except this was very much on purpose. Um, Just fucking with him. Just like, hey, yeah. fuck you, Otto. Otto unsuccessfully and desperately attempts to escape from the chamber. 
but the uh, the radiation emitted from the science stuff that happens inside fuses the mechanical tentacles he is wearing to his skin. I feel I fine. felt I felt so fucking bad for Otto. He, he's just so pathetic on this show, and I felt so bad for him, which you're and, supposed to, I suppose. And of course, in classic fashion, it's kind of fucked up. You see it, his harness like melt into his spine. Yeah, it's. Honestly, it's 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 bizarre for a kid's show what they get away with here, but I I love it a lot. Uh, Osborne and the others uh, arrive on the scene to turn this generator off and, you know, get this, you know, oh, my God, what's happening to Otto? Jesus Christ. When Spider-Man shows up, as he does, he jumps in to help get Octavius out of the wreckage. Uh, when he awakes, uh, he pins Osborne to the wall with his tentacles attacking him. And when Spider-Man attempts to intervene, Octavius just kind of brushes him aside with a second tentacle, dubbing himself on the spot Dr. Octopus. He uh, steals a, a power source, this kind of little battery, to recharge his tentacles and storms out of the building, uh, like already being able to walk on them and everything. To this point, we'd only seen him use them as, uh, you know, science tools, but now he's immediately embracing his his octopus nature. Uh, the next day, Peter, Gwen, Harry, and some of Harry's new popular friends go to Coney Island, where Harry is attempting to impress everybody with his uh, newfound strength. Wonder how that happened. Mm -hmm. uh, Liz Allen is getting a little clingier, uh, kind of attaching herself to Peter, always calling him Petey. Uh, they have a good time, just, you know, Coney Islanding about. However... Uh, they have they have this fun time until Peter spots Dr. Octopus and abandons the group to pursue him as Spider-Man. Like, I get that like 95% of Peter's issues would be solved if he was able to talk to the people that don't know he's Spider-Man and tell them he's Spider-Man. But like, if you're one of those people, you have to think he's like the shittiest person ever. I mean, I know like Eddie does throughout the course of these episodes, but like, oh my God, Peter. He's, he just runs away at the sight of danger. He's a, he's a very cowardly little boy. And one thing I forgot to mention when Otto like first becomes uh, like he first becomes Dr. Octopus and Spider-Man shows up. I love that Otto like immediately just starts monologuing like like some evil shit. Like he just it, like the, the switch is flipped. He's e immediately evil mode now. You could say he can't be contained. He can't like Electro. His power cannot be contained. Uh, and also, I wanted to talk really quickly about his uh, his design. Uh, yeah, yeah. I really like it. It's I think it's a good mix of the like classic green jumpsuit with also the big like Raimi trench coat. Uh, it really is a, a best of both worlds kind of yeah. And there is an episode later on, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think it's just straight up episode twelve where they they rip like even lines of dialogue and full sequences just straight up from Raimi one. And it's like, let's that fucking happens, go. That happens a lot in this show. There's a lot of Raimi fingerprints all over it. And that's not a complaint from me. You guys know how, I, how much I like the Raimi. Oh show. yeah. And especially in episode 12 where it's like almost entirely stuff from Raimi one, which there is came a point where it's like, I was let's fucking go. <laughs> I was pointing it out when it did happen, and then it got so heavy-handed with it towards the end. I didn't even need to continue pointing it out to my. We'll, we'll my get we'll get there, but it's fucking yeah. it's ludicrous. Oh yeah, uh, Spider-Man follows Doc Ock to Tricorp, where he attempts to steal a power pack from a vault to you know continue powering his his newfound arms tentacles. I always want to have something better to call them, but that's really all you can call them. 
Uh, Spider-Man swoops in, as he does, and attempts to get the power source from him. Uh, I think he does get it, actually, yeah. He then runs out with Doc Ock pursuing him, uh, hoping to cause sort of what he did to the Rhino. He wants to just wear him down, get him out of energy. Uh, they reach Coney Island, and through the ensuing brawl, uh, Doc Ock, who is aware of Spider-Man's desire to save innocent lives, decides to kidnap an innocent, and just, you know, with the dartboard of, oh, who can I capture here? He grabs Liz out of all the people in Coney Island. He climbs to the top of the roller coaster, uh, forcing Spider-Man to choose between the power pack and He literally and says, Liz. like, straight up, just choose, and I'm like, let's go. Uh, Spider-Man throws the power pack very, very far uh, before rescuing Liz. He gets close to Doc Ock as the good doctor is uh, scrambling for the power pack and is able to get it away from him. Uh, this this does end with a defeat of Doc Ock right off the bat. I was actually pretty surprised by that. I thought they were going to like have him get away and have it bleed into the next episodes. But no, they another good little self-contained here he is got him episode and there's and there's one little moment where uh i think peter webs up doc ock and he's got his his arms like suddenly turned to a buzz saw and i like that the idea that the arms could like change and do different things mm-hmm. instead of having them just be big claw things there's lots of different yeah. ways you could you can have it be where you know in the original comics it's just like metal tubes with claws on the end Goofy uh, little, like, like french fry pincers on the end yeah or like the rainy movies where they can like shoot out like spikes and stab people and stuff or uh yeah the one in spider-verse the spider-verse doc ock where it's like rubbery tentacles there's lots there's lots of different ways you can take the tentacles mm-hmm. and this of course is another and with it being by the virtue of being an animated cartoon that lends it even more like possibilities yeah. When uh, Peter returns to the group, he discovers that Liz and Flash are loudly breaking up in front of everybody. You know, <laughs> like you do when you get kidnapped by a villain and Spider-Man rescues you. You do a lot of thinking. Fuck him. Uh, he uh, Flash is jealous that she spent the day so close to Peter, it seems. Peter, uh, you know, he's he reappears to the group, right? And everyone's like, Peter, where the shit were you? Gwen approaches Peter. And the two agree that they need to have a talk with Harry about his belligerent attitude towards them and his constant strange behavior, uh, which essentially wraps up uh, this episode reaction. We get a nice little we got to we got to talk to Harry that we got to talk about Harry. The man is off the juice. You can't stop mm-hmm. him. But yeah, um, I really enjoyed that episode. I don't think it was my favorite of these we're going to talk about, but very solid. Great Doc Ock intro. I still just feel so bad for the guy. Doc Ock is really good in this show. Mm-hmm. Solid. One of the better one of the better tellings of them. They get a lot of these characters, right? Yeah, exactly. Like we, like, like we said last episode, a lot of really just great understanding of who these characters are and what makes them work. Absolutely. Absolutely. We move on to the uncertainty principle. It is the night before Halloween. And right at the beginning of this episode, the Green Goblin gasses and kidnaps Hammerhead. Uh, one of the big man's toadies, lackeys, and takes him to a steel mill. The goblin attempts to sway Hammerhead to join his ranks, but Hammerhead refuses, as his loyalty lies solely with Tombstone, the big man. I'm just going to keep calling him Tombstone from here on out, because I'm tired of the big man bullshit. It's Tombstone. He's cool. You know this. Uh, Later, the goblin confronts Tombstone and steals a jump drive he's carrying, 
declaring that he can only take it back from him uh, later that night as he sails it off on his glider. Uh, Spider-Man spots the goblin, and they begin to tussle, uh, wrestle, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the goblin reveals that he's in possession of this jump drive stolen from Tombstone, and that Spider-Man could have it later that night at an arranged meeting place before kicking him off of his glider. So he's uh, up to no good, up to goblin hijinks, but we're not quite sure what they are yet. Uh, Spider-Man catches up with him and notices that he essentially disappears in the vicinity of Harry, well, the Osborne family, like Penthouse. You know, yeah. immediately peaking suspicion. Uh, Spider-Man sneaks in and spots Harry's father, Norman, coming out of a, like, clue-style secret passageway behind a suit of armor that's, like, halved in the wall. I wonder how much money that would cost to, like, have, like, secret shit like that built in your ex ludicrously expensive New York penthouse. And, I mean, what if you, like, move? It's like, oh, yeah, also, <laughs> the previous owner has a fucking secret lair inside here. If you want to use that for, like, you know, your game room, or you want to play pool there. This was Norman Osborn's secret masturbatorium right behind the suit of armor here. <laughs> he goes, he goes down. That's his like little jerk off room. Don't go into my suit of armor room, Harry. You don't want to be down there. I keep my J.O. crystals down there. <laughs> oh, God, that's going to be in the next arc with a goblin's J.O. crystal. Uh, <laughs> that's how that's how he gets his power. He doesn't use the sauce. He uses his J.O. crystals. Lest it uh, mess with his glider's avionics. Anyway, God. coming out of the secret passageway is Norman. And Peter kind of puts everything together in his head that uh, Norman must be the Green Goblin. Easy mistake to make, I, I suppose. Pretty safe assumption. I mean, he is fucking Norman Osborn. Yeah, the man's the smiling caricature of the happy, friendly boss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man is uh, forced to slip out of his reconnaissance after Harry walks in, but he he misses Harry drinking his uh, secret green juice from a vial with a cork in it. You know, I think do, I think before uh, we get to that scene, like Gwen ends up. Conf when does that happen? He like he's talking about the sauce and he like holds it up. And you can see like half of a goblin face inside. Yeah, of, uh, I, th I think juice. that's yeah, that's later when he's talking to Gwen. Uh, yeah, I don't remember when that was, but I, oh, my God, it's such a cool moment. It's such a cool shot. I'm thinking about using that as the artwork for the episode that or the shot of yeah. uh, of uh, Spider-Man carrying uh, Gwen and MJ in the last episode. Those are those are my two yeah. choices. I don't know which one to pick. We'll see. Yeah, it'll look good either way. You'll see. You'll see. Listener. <laughs> Or you'll hear it somehow. Uh, a short while later, Peter uh, calls Harry and invites him to a Bleecker Street Halloween carnival along with the gang, Gwen, MJ, Liz. Uh, Harry accepts Black, Black Cat is there. You could see her. Yeah, very briefly. I, I like because we do get more of her in the coming episodes, but this is just like a fun. Hey, Black Cat's there. I straight up think she probably just robbed a bank on Halloween. I, and just, I literally you know, just wrote Black Cat in all caps with like eight question marks. Fun little are you paying attention kind of thing, I guess. Just that's there among the other costumes. Yeah, a little, a little a little hint for things to come. Exactly. It would have been fine even if it was just that, you know, if we didn't get it like any kind of black cat anything in the show. She's just that'd be fun. I don't know. Oh, have we talked about the the like the B plot with uh Jameson coming back from space? 
Oh no, I have I didn't mention that at all. Jeez, yeah, that's how the episode starts, right? Yeah, that's that's like the other B plot is that uh, John Jameson is coming back from his trip in space, uh, and there's a bit of a scare with the hit of like a meteor or something coming mm-hmm. back to Earth. Uh, and, and I even without like the the ooh ah of like the brief glimpse of Peter in the black suit that we get in the opening credits. The minute yeah. they mentioned, oh, Jameson's in space, I out loud went, oh, symbiote, great. And you can you can see on the meteor they hit a little black speck on it. So it's like, yep, that's the symbiote. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, they end up, there's like a, a concern that he's going to die and Jameson gets like really somber for a minute. And it's like mm-hmm. really good. The setup reminds me of in uh, Raimi's Spider-Man 3 when Dr. Connors like makes reference. He's like, the composition reminds me of the Kondratic meteors of the 70s. And it's like, oh, well, that's how we get at the goo, I guess. It's in a meteor. Sure. I, I remember listening to like some podcast. I think I talked about this in the Spider-Man 2 episode last season. But I remember mm-hmm. like watching a like listening to a podcast or something where they were talking about Spider-Man 2. And it's like, wouldn't it have been great if... uh the astronaut from Spider-Man two became venom and he brought back the symbiote from space. Uh, and the reason he wants to get revenge on Peter is because, uh, Mary Jane dumped him at the altar for Peter. That would have been something to do with the character. Yeah. It would have been something to do with the character. It would have been a better version of, uh, venom, even though I've said before that I, I do enjoy, uh, Topher Grace, Eddie Brock. Uh, it's kind of a guilty pleasure for me. His performance. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not about flagpoles or whatever. It's about lighting. God damn. He really gave up that 70 show for that. Huh? Anyway, God bless him for it. Um, on the way to the carnival, uh, having Harry accepted the invitation. Also, I don't remember if I mentioned that to my notes, uh, on the way to the carnival, Peter attempts to sell some Spider-Man photographs to J Jonah Jameson, who refuses to take them. And instead, uh, he makes some offhand comment about selling them to the globe. So Peter's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Thanks. Fuck you. Uh, from there, the goblin has broken into Oscorp once again when Norman is talking with investors this time, and he steals a prototype inhibitor. Uh, from there, Peter arrives at the carnival, still dressed as Spider-Man. Great little moment here where he like jumps down and is like right next to Gwen, who doesn't see that he just did that. Really, they really play up the Halloween thing. It's really fun. It's fun. Uh, everyone applauds Peter's Spider-Man costume. Flash gives him some shit, you know. Uh, oh, and spe- speaking of this scene, uh, I was on the Wikipedia. I was on Wikipedia doing some like very basic, like who wrote this and blah blah blah, blah research. Uh-huh. Uh, and I saw that somebody had given like somebody on IGN, like back when this episode came out, gave this uh, episode a review. And he, they, they were talking about uh, MJ's costume that she wears. She's like a little, like a vampire lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the reviewer, like called it like the costume, like uh, MJ's sexy costume. And it's like, this is a, this is a teenager. What is a 15 year old on a children's cartoon? My friend, get real. You jerking off to the spectacular Spider-Man. Get real. <laughs> Who would do that? Anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> don't no. Please don't look over here. Uh, from there um, Peter sees some fireworks in the sky which is concerning because uh, they're goblin-esque Peter slips out after having seen these green goblin fireworks erupting in the sky 
following to the uh, aforementioned steel mill where he finds tombstone. Uh, the two enter together, a great, you know, kind of odd couple there. Uh, the two enter together and they find the goblin has hammerhead suspended over a vat of molten metal. Very attack of clones. Yeah, very, 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 sh- like a lot of showmanship there. I mean, what else are you going to do with the steel mill? Uh, the goblin reveals that the jump drive is, it's a fake, it's whether, what does he say? Does he say the actual drive, like, never existed? It doesn't matter, you know? Yeah, basically the MacGuffin was just like a setup just to get yeah. uh, the Spider-Man and Tombstone there in the steel mill, just so the goblin can fuck him up. The goblin uh, readjusts his focus on Tombstone and Spider-Man, who essentially are forced to team up to fight the villain. I love that good little moment there. You don't get a lot of that in Spider-Man, him having to work with villains, mostly Venom, but after the point where Venom's become like an okay guy or whatever. But yeah, um, not something you see often, and especially not with Tombstone, who's kind of essentially just like a side, almost nothing villain in the comics. But uh, yeah. very fun. I, I like the idea a lot. Um, he Peter accuses the Goblin of being Norman Osborn at a point, and uh, he's rocked. Spider-Man fires one of the pumpkin bombs uh, kind of back at him at another point. Great, you know, another maybe little Raimi question mark touch. Uh, Throughout the fight, uh, the Goblin's leg is injured. He escapes on his also, like, sort of fucked up glider. And Spider-Man follows him back to the Osborne apartment. And when he confronts him there, uh, Harry's, like, laying down and pulling the mask off and... uh, you know, he's been revealed to have been drinking the green, green. What is it? Gobulin green. Yeah, gobulin green. And one thing I have, I have my my gamer theory is that Norman is just fucking with Peter to make him think that Harry is the goblin. When he takes that mask off, it looks like he like woke up with a mask on and like uh-huh. he's like, somebody put me in this. Get this off of me. <laughs> I think he just injured Harry's leg just to fuck with him because it seems like something that Norman Osborn would do. He right. hates his son that much that he would frame him as a supervillain. He got home, knocked out his son, hit his ankle with a tire iron and forced him into his costume in five seconds. If anybody could do it, it would be Norman Osborn. It's like Gone Girl level planning. Dad, oh yeah. What is it? Lobulin Green. An early stage experimental performance enhancer. Highly unstable and addictive. You stole it from Oscorp, didn't you? Why would you do something so dangerous? So stupid! For you! You told me to man up! So I took the green to become the son you always wanted me to be. To become a man like you. Uh, I must have blacked out again. I... I don't remember anything. But I can't be the goblin. Can I? Harry uh, collapses, and Norman and Spider-Man agree to arrange the goblin's disappearance while taking Harry on an extended leave from school so he can receive special help for his chemical uh, dependency, dependency, I guess you could say. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, like... The, the whole reveal of, of Harry on the thing, and he, he has like kind of like a mental breakdown... Uh, mm-hmm. when Norman's like, why would you do this? Why would you be the goblin's son? And he's like, because you, you're a fucking asshole. And you tried you to wanted a popular stuff. evil goblin for your boy. And that's what I gave you. That's what I gave you. It's a really good scene, really well acted. And it, that not only is that good, I love the 
the Norman and and Spider-Man like working together on what's our story? What's going to become of Harry? Are we going to tell the cops? No, we're not going to tell the cops. The goblin's gone. Let's take care of Harry. Okay, goodbye, Spider-Man. Yeah, it's like, what do we want to do with this? It's it's really good. They don't pat themselves on the back too much. Norman doesn't go, Spider-Man, you're a true hero, and I love you, and I you sound like Peter for some reason. He, he just he's I, like, you're okay, my, you're my son. I love you. It's just very nod. We're done. Leave. Good stuff. Uh, the next day uh, at school, Peter learns that Mary Jane has officially transferred into his school and is going to be a regular rotating part of the cast now. Yeah, the, la- the last episode they talked about, uh, not the last episode, I think it might have been in the, at the dance. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they talked about how the, they also have a, a magnet program for theater. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Is, is, was very interested in that because she's interested in acting. So she ended up transferring and she just shows up there. And <laughs> Peter's like, MJ, what the hell are you doing here? And MJ is like, I transferred here. Yeah, I, I'm here now. <laughs> so with that said, and with what everything we said earlier about the uh, the ship scenes that I managed to misplace in my uh, synopsis here. Um, they have this great sequence of the uh, space shuttle struggling to get back to Earth safely um, after the the meteorite or meteor that it struck has damaged the heat shielding, I think it was. Um, yeah, something like that. It does eventually land in Cape Canaveral. Uh, very skin of the teeth landing, not smooth at all. Uh, the next day, Jonah learns that the Globe's cover story of the Goblin's Rampage featuring Peter's photos is outselling the Bugle story about the heroic space journey of young Mr. Jameson. So an infuriated Jameson decides to meet the public's demand by publishing a new cover story questioning if Spider-Man is, guess what, a hero or a menace. No, it's threat or menace. Oh yeah, there we go, which is better, right? That's that's the uh, classic Jameson Lena. That, that like shows up in like every version of the character is Spider-Man threat or menace, and it's great. Uh, meanwhile, John is having a quick interview with the shuttle hangar when he notices a mysterious vibrating black goo on the bottom of the shuttle. It's really funny because he's like this guy's interviewing uh, Jameson. Uh, I think it's Foswell who's interviewing Jameson, uh, yeah. and he's like, "Oh well, uh, you had a you had a rough." Uh, travel back and then suddenly they find alien life on the bottom of their <laughs> ship they're like oh that's weird hey what do you think of that I don't know that's kind of funky anyway the episode <laughs> just ends it sure does uh, which leads us into the beginning of the next episode Persona um, beginning with Peter rushing home excitedly to inform Aunt May that alien life has been discovered because of course that matters to Peter very very much I feel uh, th- yeah Peter Peter comes down and is like, oh, I'm so excited about uh, that. We found alien life. And I feel like Peter is the only person who's like on the level that you should be excited about alien life. Everyone's like, ah, fucking, yeah, you know, whatever aliens, who cares? Yeah. And it was just, it was technically discovered in Florida too. So, you know, go Florida. Everyone's so unenthused about fucking alien, uh, black alien sentient goo that has appeared on the bottom of a spaceship. Nobody cares. Yeah, it's, it's just some mud. Who gives a shit? There's a guy that sh- that's literally made of electricity and one guy that's made of sand. I don't care anymore. <laughs> that's as alien as it gets in New York freaking city, baby. Uh, ignoring May's scoffing, Peter turns on the TV to see that the black sludge from uh, Jameson's shuttle has been sent to, uh, drumroll please, Dr. Connor's lab for analysis. 
Uh, hoping to get an exclusive, he calls Eddie Brock, only to learn that Dr. Martha Connors has forbidden all reporters and photographers, uh, specifically also, especially ones named Peter Parker, who deserve their Martha! friends. Are you going to do that every time? I bet you are. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's fucking ruined. You can't have a comic character named Martha anymore. Mar Why did you say that name? You can't Why do it. Why is my husband a lizard? Uh... Save uh, Martha. That's what that's what he said. That's what uh Connor says to P to uh Peter after he cheers him of the lizard. Why Save do you know that Martha. name, Lizard? <laughs> Undeterred, Peter uh decides to visit that lab the evening as uh that evening as Spider-Man, only to find that the lab is already occupied by another uh unregistered visitor. A young woman in a skin-tight black suit who is in the process of opening the alien's containment chamber. Uh, they, you know, spar for a little while. There's a great little action sequence where she has like a grappling gun. Uh, yeah. that, you know, it's fun to, you know, spar with him and his webs and everything. Um, they, th they throw great. a lot of shit around, but the shit that gets broken never triggers the lasers or, or maybe. It yeah. Which is, it, you know, it is what it is. It's cartoon, I guess. They quip, they fight. And the thief introduces herself as black cat. Uh, informing Spider-Man that she was hired to steal the alien and also flirting with him. Uh, she offers him a slice of the mud pie, she says. I have that written down. <laughs> Imagine uh, getting hired to steal her. an alien. Like, you're in the, the movie E.T. It's just like, yeah, let's go fucking secure this alien. They they do make a joke about that at some point once it's known that they think Spider-Man stole it. That Someone says, Spider-Man stole the E.T. And all I had in like, my mental image was him like, Amazing Fantasy 15-ing, like, E.T. under his yeah. arm, screeching through the streets of New York. Yeah, the um, Spider-Man and Black Hat end up fighting each other, and the symbiote ends up... Or, well, it's not called the symbiote yet, but the right. funny alien goo uh, ends up disappearing from its uh, domed containment. Uh, Black Hat doesn't have it, and uh, unbeknownst to Peter, it's stuck to his shoe like a yes. wad of gum. <laughs> Latched onto his heel like like an extraterrestrial dog turd. I'm sorry to say, but the world's uh, Dr. like the world's grossest uh, wad of big league chew. Oh, yeah, black drippy big league chew. Like they left uh, out in the sun for like a week in the middle of July. Spider Man, of course, refuses this offer to uh, steal an alien for money, but in the course of this fight. Uh, like you mentioned, the alien has now attached itself to Peter's heel. Uh, Dr. Connors bursts into the room and Black Cat retreats. And only when Spider-Man realizes that the alien is gone, does he also give chase. Very lucky it didn't already completely consume his costumes because he'd be like, what are you talking about? Huh? What the fuck? The next day, Captain Stacy is uh, interviewing Dr. Connors. And I do want to mention as well, I like Doc, uh, Captain Stacy a lot in this show, too. He's, he's no Dennis Leary, but he's, he's very serviceable for the time he is on screen. He's voiced by Clancy Brown, who plays yeah. who's best known as Mr. Krabs. Mm -hmm. uh, he plays a couple other people on the show, but I I'm, I'm happy to hear him. Yeah, no, it's a it's a solid performance. Uh, they expressed disbelief that Spider-Man would have stolen the alien because, I mean, fuck, yeah, why would he? It's Spider-Man, uh, what, what, what would his purpose be? <laughs> Eddie then furiously denounces both Spider-Man and Peter Parker, uh, rebuking Gwen when she attempts to calm him down. At the Bugle, J. Jonah Jameson is having an absolute field day. 
accusing Spider-Man and Black Cat of planning the whole thing. Uh, Peter attempts to protest here and there, but is shouted down. Uh, Peter states that Dr. Connors also witnessed the fight, but Jameson retorts that Connors had returned in the morning to find the lab robbed. So Peter's like, okay, so he's a lizard and a liar now. What's up with that? <laughs> a lying lizard bastard. In a warehouse uh, somewhere in town, Dr. Connors is chortling over the headlines and peels off a mask to reveal himself as the chameleon. The chameleon. Oh, which I very, very... I don't know. I don't want to say rarely used villain, but they, they don't they don't do a lot with the chameleon ever. Uh, the chameleon should be used more because, you know, it's kind of weird that he's not used very often for a guy who is both uh, in the comics related to Craven the Hunter uh, and also, you know, the first villain Spider-Man ever fights. Yeah, you would think that he would be a little more prevalent, but, you know, I would wager a lot of people don't even know he exists. Like your your average Spider-Man consumer might not be inherently as familiar with Chameleon as maybe Mysterio or Goblin or people like that. I guess guy who disguises himself isn't as flashy as man with octopus arms. Right. I guess, you know, whatever sells more comic books. Whatever. Um, the Chameleon is in the in the game now. Uh, taking a phone call, he informs his employer that he has failed to steal the alien and the down payment will be refunded. So at least that's considerate, you know, nice uh, refund policy in the organized crime racket here. He turns to his cohorts, uh, Phineas Mason and one Quentin Beck, and says that the Daily Bugle has given him an idea and he'll need their utmost abilities to pull off his plan. I got very excited when they said Quentin Beck. Uh, yeah, I, I, I knew I don't I actually don't remember them saying Quentin Beck, but I do. I, I see that I saw that guy with his fucking horrific bowl cut and I'm like, oh, my God, it's fucking Mysterio. And he doesn't even show up as Mysterio in this season. We have to wait yeah. until the next episode of this podcast of the next episode after that. He still hasn't even shown up yet. I'm so excited. No, I love that. The The black cat. Halloween thing was one seed planted, but yeah, they do name drop this guy as Quentin Beck and do no Mysterio shit over the next few episodes. Because in all fairness, these next few episodes are completely packed anyway. There would be yeah, no there's a lot of shit going on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want him to jam Mysterio in here for no reason. But I'm, I'm glad they planted that. It's, it's good stuff. Uh, I love a good setup. Uh, Spider Man is again chasing Black Cat, uh, oblivious to the darkness spreading up his costume. Uh, turning it darkness. I know we've you know we've talked suits all day long, and I know you're of the opinion that the Raimi symbiote suit is a little lazy. I think I've come around to that opinion too, in the sense that it's just straight up the same suit but black. The I like the original uh, Raimi suit. I've said this yeah, it, it's fun. I think they, you know, we're not we're not going to just sit here and talk Raimi all day, but the Raimi suit I think could have benefited from just being black with big white eyes, like you know should be the case capital s maybe should be i feel like they they could they should have done better but part of me realizes that uh you know the whole venom subplot in spider-man 3 was incredibly rushed so yeah. i mean they, they they did the best with what they could and I, I don't obviously don't hold it against them for that reason yeah yeah i i do think in that same vein they could have gone a little you know wackier with the symbiote suit here uh they do get, you know, the white eyes, the white chest, but it does retain like the the silvery kind of white silvery kind of webbing that the Raimi suit has. It's 
I would I would argue maybe inspired by Raimi more so than the comics, but it is a little more comic accurate than Raimi was. There there is something that I really like about the the black suit in this series is that when he first gets the black suit, it is like the Raimi suit where it's just the regular suit dipped in black paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as it progresses and eventually once he gets rid the last episode that he has it, which I think is twelve, mm-hmm. uh, it is the the. And you, and you can see it as the episodes progress where the the spider on it gets larger on the chest and the webbing on the suits gradually disappears until it's just mm-hmm. that original flat black and white uh, costume. I really it's actually like that. It's, it's a way of establishing visually uh, that the symbiote has more control over him. And I think I, I really actually really like that decision that they made. If they had done that in the, in the Raimi movie, I would have liked it more, to be honest. It's pretty neat, yeah. Um, but we are officially in uh, in black suit Spider-Man territory as of this episode, which yeah. is one of my you know preferred arcs. I, I like everything kind of that happens with it. Um, <clears throat> black Cat uh, alerts him to the fact that this has happened. His his costume is now black and white. Uh, kind of flirtatiously assuming that he's, uh, you know, aping off of her thing and taking up her offer. Uh, Peter realizes that the alien must have bonded to his costume, of course. And then uh, he kind of dips out on Black Cat from here, trying to understand what's going on. He contemplates how to get this alien off of him when an out-of-control airplane flies past. Uh, 9-11-2, it's happening, the sequel. Electric Boogaloo. Uh As this out-of-control airplane, you know, dips over, he discovers that the black suit has actually enhanced his strength and agility, uh, enabling him to successfully rescue the pilot and also stop a construction crew from being crushed to death by falling girders. Really, really fucking lucky he was in that area, I guess. Uh, He realizes and, you know, essentially... I less realizes and I think more maybe just tells himself, oh, well, this black suit could help save more people and earn more money. So I'm going to ought to keep it. Uh, yeah, he he's just like, yeah, I'm going to keep it. Yeah, maybe I should give this back. No, it's going to help save people and earn money. Sure. Uh, he goes home and from there discovers that the suit can retract to be below his clothes, which is probably got to be the most convenient fucking thing ever. I imagine that's really great. Uh, to find his aunt in the middle of uh, swooning, I guess, uh, having cooked all day, tasting recipes and testing recipes. Uh, They don't outright say that she's like working on a cookbook until like the last episode, right? Yeah, they don't say that until the very last episode, but May is is writing a cookbook, which I I think it's really fun. I I like that May is getting out there and being proactive. It gives her something to do that doesn't involve saying, well, my friend Anna Watson... Um, yeah, it, you know, great sequence there. Uh, later that night, the chameleon is uh, dressed as Spider-Man, and he robs a bank using suction cups and wrist-mounted, like, bolas, uh, spring-loaded boots to simulate Spider-Man's powers, and there's a fun little bit where he's, like, doing Spider-Man quips, but, like, kind of getting them wrong. It's it's fun. Yeah, I like uh, this, I like this, like, trick suit of, like, trying to, like do all of his powers without uh, actually having them. I think it's really, really fun. Just enough to maybe sell the illusion, but not like fully. Yeah, because he has he has his webs that don't even look like webs. They're like little ropes that he shoots out. 
Right. But he has the web shooters on the outside. Yeah, that's really fun. Uh, while he's doing this, uh, his cohort Mason is taking photos to send to the Bugle. And the next morning at school, via this, Peter is surprised to learn that Spider-Man is uh, being publicly accused of being guilty of uh, robbing banks. Uh, the chameleon robs an additional bank from there. And Peter walks in on a jubilant J. Jonah Jameson, announcing his victory over Spider-Man. Very fun scene there. I like seeing Jonah think he's won. Yeah, it's fun. Hunting for his uh, doppelganger that evening, Spider-Man encounters Black Cat once again, who offers him assistance and leads him to a gala hosted on the mayor's yacht, which is always a, a great, you know, sentence, I guess. It's a great place to go rob people. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're wearing like a, a priceless tiger head necklace or something. I don't know. The tiger uh, poster from Zoo Books. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you derail me there. That's funny. The, the tiger poster. Uh, Captain Stacy and uh, J. Jonah Jameson are also in attendance of this yacht party as they are socialites, I guess. Uh, the chameleon infiltrates the party disguised as Norman Osborn and changes into his fake uh, faux Spider-Man costume and takes the party hostage. Black Cat and Spider-Man arrive on a jet ski which is a, a very Spider-Man device to use. And Spider-Man confronts the chameleon while she takes on Mason and Beck, who are disguised uh, respectively as a dock hand and a waiter. Uh, the chameleon quickly finds himself outmatched by the real deal Spider-Man and attempts to retreat and get away. But Spider-Man apprehends him and unmasks him fairly, uh, given the context of everything, fairly unceremoniously. Uh, Jameson very reluctantly orders a retraction on his papers after this. And <laughs> he's like, put a retraction. He says it's like, put it in tiny on font on, on, put it in tiny font on page 47. Classic Jameson. Uh, Spider-Man, meanwhile, is pardoned by Captain Stacy of the wrongdoings he was accused of. Spider-Man almost confesses to the theft of the alien, but a voice whispers in his head that he's better off keeping it, and he says nothing. Already going uh, evil, he, going evil mode. Let's go. He later meets up with Black Cat, who congratulates him uh, by doing the Black Cat thing to do and stealing Spider-Man's first kiss, uh, revealing she also stole the tiger-shaped gem necklace. The and, tiger poster. And the, she then quite literally leaves uh, Pete hanging, just vanishes while he's still sitting there awestruck. Fifteen-year-old uh, Peter, his first kiss coming from a hyper-sexualized thief in her presumably 20s, 30s. Uh, there's, that just, that the just reminds the me of... That just reminds me of, uh, like, the worst Spider-Man panel I've ever seen in my life. Uh, oh, yeah? Which is, which is saying something. It's from the Ultimate Run, and it's part of I was of actually going to mention this exact scene, I think, so good. It's part of the reason I don't like Bagley's art on Ultimate. Black Cat is, like, about to kiss Peter in the Ultimate comic. I don't remember which issue it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and eventually, like uh, Black Hat takes off the mask and sees Peter and realizes that uh, she's like a that he's like a fifteen year old kid and she's like a fully grown adult woman and she's like what the fuck? But Peter like makes like the dumbest face. Like, I gotta find this. I've literally got it pulled up and I'm looking at it right now. And man, you put it in the put it in the Discord right now. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big big uh, I don't want to say apologizer or anything, but like I really like Ultimate. 
Uh, this moment sucks. It, it really uh, does. It's it's not it's not that specific one. Ultimate does by and large kind of suck. Uh, I I do have a sucker for when Bagley does draw stuff good though. I I I may have said in the past he was my favorite. That's very conditional. Very conditional. I think I found it. That that the okay. the kissy face is pretty bad. Uh, but it's like after she finds out that uh, Peter is a 15 year old, she throws up on the crotch of his suit and then he makes this face, which is fucking horrible. <laughs> Joe Casada, you motherfucker, editor in chief of Marvel Comics. You saw this shit and said, this is good. Print That's this. Yeah. Normal Print this. Yeah. It doesn't no. even look like Peter. It just looks like some guy. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. I'm I'm so I'm so glad we're not doing an episode on you this season. That's my hot take: is that I think there's quite a bit of art in Ultimate Spider-Man that's dog shit. No, you're exactly right, and I'm a I'm a Bagley apologist, and you're still right. And and Bagley has done good work on Spider-Man, but just not an Ultimate. Sure. I don't know. I don't know if that's the part of the 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 colorists who do all the shading. Uh, or it's 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 so weird looking. But with that fun little tangent over, we are about halfway through this episode now, give or take. We've we've covered three of these six final season, final half of the season episodes. We've covered four. Oh, we have covered four. You're right. We're more than halfway done. Wow, this is a good fucking show. <laughs> we move on from there to episode eleven, uh, group therapy, which begins with uh, Max Dillon being no pun intended, discharged from uh, Ravencroft Asylum, thanking the once again female Dr. Kafka for helping him recover. That that fluctuates occasionally, Dr. Kafka, right? Here and there uh, as a character. I think we talked about that in The Amazing. Uh, Dr. Kafka is a female in the comics. So. I don't know why. I swear to God, I keep thinking he's a man. Uh, Dr. Kafka is a man in some telling of something somewhere. Maybe you I'm keep thinking he's a man because he's a man in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's it. There we go. I got it backwards. Okay. That's, that's yes. what I was going to say. I think I, that's what I was going to say. We talked about this in the Amazing Spider-Man 2 episode. Check in every season to watch Alex make the same mistakes over and over. Or Dr. Uh, Kafka is like a, like, a, like a Nazi German scientist. Yeah, you know. Uh, Max Dillon is uh, released with a clean bill of health, thanking Dr. Kafka for helping him recover. Uh, he's using his newfound control over his electrical power powers and he places a phone call to Dr. Otto Octavius uh, informing him to get ready <laughs> at the payphone in the prison yard. Is that a real thing? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've never been to prison. That's the immediate place you go to set up your next crime. Yeah, there's a convenient bug already in the handle. I always thought they like kept phones in like a separate part of a prison, but they apparently are just like payphones sitting out in the middle of the prison yard where all the people are where all the prisoners are working out and shit. You taste freedom, you get out. First thing you want to do is call in some uh, delivery pizza, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's what I would do if I was leaving prison. I would I would call the payphone, get them delivered to my house, and then when I get out, it's like, I'm waiting for my pizza, motherfucker. It's pizza time. Pizza time. Uh, Max Dillon is placing this call to Doc Ock, uh, informing him to get ready and thanking him for his advice and counseling. We come from there to Rikers Island Penitentiary uh, with Doc Ock informing Montana. Flint Marco, Adrian Toomes, Alex O'Hearn, and uh, I believe the other enforcers, that it is time for them to escape and exact revenge on the Spider-Man. 
That evening, Electro short-circuits short the cell locks, enabling them to escape with the help of Hammerhead, who returns Octavius's tentacles to him, Vulture's flight suit, and Montana's shocker equipment, providing them with a ride back to the mainland. So right off the bat, they've broken out. We're getting the Sinister Six episode. A properly done Sinister Six where, where the characters have been established and they've all had breathing room and time to establish themselves as who they are with motivations. Take some fucking notes, Tony. I guess we're getting that in No Way Home. And I think I tweeted about this. I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, but Sony has wanted to do a Sinister Six movie for so long. So badly they want to. They, they finally figured out that the best way to do it is just to build it on top of the corpses of two dead versions of the Spider-Man franchise. Just like we're going to build it out from the Raimi movies and also the amazing movies and the MCU movies because we can't stay consistent enough to have them all be in one franchise. We have to just Adam, build them on top of corpses. The good news is we have six villains worthy of calling a Sinister Six. The bad news is we have to we have to dredge them up from the last 20 years of other movies that were better and worse in some ways than what we're doing here now. Okay. The what bad news is that one of them is the lizard. <laughs> we have to call Racy fans and uh, Topher Grace and see what they're up to tomorrow. God, I hope I don't have to God. see Topher Grace in this fucking movie. It would be, I would laugh my ass off of Topher Grace. Absolutely. People want to like, get that, get that fucking get bread. King. Get that oh. bread. Good for him. He's making that Spike Lee money now. Anyway. Dude's rock. In the morning, Peter prepares to head out, uh, discovering that the uh, black suit, you know, can fully flow all over him, uh, produce its own webbing, all that, which is fun. I am watching this as I watch. I watch most, but not all of the stuff we do on the podcast here with my partner, just because we live together. And if we're going to if I'm going to watch something, they're usually going to join me. I had the the pleasure in this episode of not realizing that my partner knows almost nothing about the black suit arcs that haven't been told in, you know, other movies and stuff. So I got, had to, you know, explain, oh, yeah, the suit can make its own webbing and shit. Venom fires him out of the top of his wrist like this, you know, just getting to play uh, Symbiote 101 during this episode. It was a lot of fun. It's fun. Um, Peter persuades Aunt May to uh, go to the theater with Anna Watson, despite feeling peakish. Uh, missing the muted broadcast talking about the breakout. Uh, Peter greets Eddie, who berates him. Really, really fucking roughly, by the way. Eddie uh, is fucking uh, cold-blooded in this episode. He's well, like, you he never really... cared about anybody ever. And it's like, damn, motherfucker, what do you know? He's stewing on this. And then later and you find out it's just because, you know, Eddie is incredibly bitter by himself mm. uh, over over what's happened in his life. Very layered with this uh, good, good Peter and Eddie relationship throughout this whole show. It's very well done. Yeah. Um, Peter is specifically berated for not calling the police uh, following Spider-Man's theft of the alien. Uh, Peter, with the quote unquote help of the suit, uh, quickly gets over losing his oldest friend and follows a police car to find the rhino crashing Times Square. As, you know, Rhino's really only got this singular motivation of screaming and, and running. So, you know, what else are you going to do? Smashing into things. That's what he does. Uh, he's ambushed during this fight with the Rhino by Sandman. And is then surprised in quick succession with the presences of the Shocker, Vulture, Electro, and Doc Ock waiting for him as well. 
uh, ganging up on the poor boy. Uh, Aunt May attempts to uh, stop. Uh, uh, sorry, wait. I have this in my synopsis, and I legitimately do not remember this. What does Aunt May do here? It says Aunt May attempts to stop them from ganging up on Spider-Man. Does that happen? Aunt May and Anna Watson just kind of stand in the way, and it's like, don't mm. hurt poor boy. And then uh, Peter ends up Peter ends up getting them out of the way. Uh, That's right. I remember him getting them out of the way. And I, I do read these synopses that I haven't written myself before we go through just to, you know, have an idea of what the fuck I'm talking about. But I legitimately just had a brain fart for a second there. And I was like, what the fuck does it mean? Aunt May stops them. What? <laughs> I had to think about that one for a second. I watched this fucking episode. She's got a lot of chutzpah, night. you know, she's got I a lot of chutzpah. That. Damn. But yes, uh, they, they are, you know, safe from this. Spider-Man does get them out of the way. Um once inside the theater, May collapses uh, again. You know, poor, poor heart that she has. Um, outmatched by all of this, Spider-Man is forced to retreat into the sewers where the rhino is too big to fit. And Electro and Sandman's powers prove more of a hindrance than a help. So uh, for the first time of many times, Peter escapes the Sinister Six. Which, I mean, once you, you get into a Sinister Six kind of story, that's really all the kind of thing you can tell is either Peter having like a, a big capital M moment and kicking all of six of their asses in succession or, oh, God, oh, fuck, I need to get out of here, which more often than not is the case. Yeah, <clears throat> just this, that's the secret to beating the Sinister Six is just divide and conquer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that evening, Mary Jane arranges to go on a date with Eddie Brock, uh, but is disgusted when he pulls these like really reckless daredevil like weaves with his motorcycle and traffic the entire time just talking shit about peter uh she then realizes that uh he only went on this date to cause strife with peter because he knows peter has a vested interest in mary jane and she tells him that while peter is flawed he's still twice the man that eddie will ever be yeah eddie's go eddie oh he doesn't even have the symbiote yet and eddie is going fucking nuts yeah you you I've said this a lot with my criticism of the uh, Tom Hardy Venom movie, but like you need, need, need to have Venom's motivation and Eddie's motivation like singularly work towards their hatred of Spider-Man and Peter Parker specifically for like any part of it to really matter. And they did a really, really great job of that with uh, with this telling of it. His his hatred for Peter and his hatred for Spider-Man are already like on fire before the symbiote is anywhere near the guy. Part of me wants to see Venom 2 out of out of morbid curiosity because I've seen Venom 1. Uh -huh. It's a terrible movie. Mm -hmm. Do not let anybody tell you that it's like some so bad it's good masterpiece. It's a fucking bad. constant fight with my friends all the time. They refuse to acknowledge that movie is not that is not good. It is just a bad movie. Tom Hardy is unironically really f like he's obviously having a lot of fun and he's really funny in it. Like mm -hmm. not not funny like so bad it's good funny but like actually genuinely funny in that movie right this is the closest we will ever get to doing a venom episode because that movie is dog shit and it has nothing to do with spider-man yeah uh, right now anyway god fucking bid everything else around tom hardy the story the editing the characters it's all shit and one mm -hmm. of the main things uh, is that there? There's only so many conflicts that you can do with a Spider-Man villain that doesn't have Spider-Man in it, especially one whose like entire backstory hinges on Spider-Man. Yes, 
and the the main conflict that Eddie and Venom have in that movie is that uh, Venom thinks that Eddie is a loser because you know he's lost his girlfriend and you know he doesn't stick up for himself. Blah 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 blah. All this other stuff, and they have you know a little heart to heart, and then Venom realizes, oh, on my planet. I was a loser too. And then they bond over that. They have one, they have that one conversation and then suddenly they're best friends. And then they go fight, uh, uh, Riz Ahmed, who is riot in that movie. Uh, Dude, I, I saw that movie one fucking time in the theater. And I think any time I've had a drink in those last few years, wasn't an attempt to forget venom. Uh, and then, you know, and then the trailer for the new movie comes out. And then you realize that they're just doing the first one again. Number one, he's fighting another symbiote because that's all you can ever really do with Venom is just have him fight right. other symbiotes. Exactly. Because he fought, he fought right in the last one. He's doing Carnage in this one, uh, which, you know, props for them for not blowing their load on Carnage immediately. Uh, waiting for the sequel to pull out waters, Carnage. I guess. I don't know. You know how to dip your toe in there. And uh, number two, Venom is upset about Eddie for being a loser again for the exact same reasons that he's upset with him for being a loser in the first movie. It's like basically they took the same script, replaced Riot with Carnage, and then just sent it in. So what you're saying is I should buy stock in Sony tonight, right? Sure. Yeah, I I I like to think I'm going to have the the resolve to not see this movie because I have a fucking lot of movies I want to see in October and November. Uh if it comes down to it, I might pirate it and just have a movie night with friends and just sit there with my head in my hands being the only one. There's, there are so many good and interesting movies that are going to be coming out this year. There's uh, the new James Bond movie that's coming out. Uh, oh, yeah. Licorice Pizza, the new uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie, Dune. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, all of these great and exciting films that you could see in the theater if you're vaccinated, motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're going to make the decision to choose to go see Venom, There Will Be Carnage, I, don't, I, there's, I, I can't help you. Like, There's no way I can't help you. You have thoroughly disqualified yourself from being a guest on the future of this podcast. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't help you. I can't help you. Yeah. It's not camp, it's just shit. Catch me at Halloween Kills again. Back to this. Uh, back to this yeah. program. Let's talk about good Venom. <laughs> back at the bugle. Uh, Jameson is furious that Peter missed out on getting the scoop on the Sinister Six until he learns that Peter's aunt has been hospitalized by a heart attack, uh, calming immediately and phoning to tell him the bad news in, a, in an attempt to tell him the bad news. Uh, at home, Peter ignores this call, thinking he was going to be uh, berated for not sending pictures, which, you know, of course, was the original intention. He heads to bed, uh, assuming that Aunt May has safely returned and bedded herself. Uh, he he wants, what's he do? He wants to set an alarm for 9 p.m. to wake up and, and check around then, but, of course, doesn't. Um, the Sinister Six commandeer a restaurant. <laughs> I really like the, the phrasing there that they've commandeered this restaurant because they really have. The waiters are still kind of just putting around. Uh, yeah, they're, they're just having dinner like a like a, a couple a couple of good friends. They're bickering over their objectives and, you know, just doing Sinister Six stuff before they decide to put their differences aside and uh, finish off Spider-Man. The radio sounds off that the Sinister Six have taken hostages at a bank. Peter attaches the symbiote to him and, you know, kind of gives chase. 
He arrives at the bank as Spider-Man and is captured by Doc Ock, but his costume lashes out with tentacle-type, you know, symbiote things of its own, and Electro accidentally blasts Doc Ock, enabling Spider-Man to break free. He systematically works through and defeats the Sinister Six, uh, pinning Electro beneath Rhino, which I, I thought was honestly the most impressive like bit of using them against each other. Great way to incapacitate yeah. them both. Um, he webs Vulture between two trees and then uses the Shocker's gauntlets to, like, he uses the sonic aspect of them pretty much to, like, blast Sandman apart, like, liquefy him. And there's this great little subtle thing that happens during that that they don't, like, call a ton of attention to where the symbiote kind of bubbles off of him a little bit as he does it. They never, like, do the, the, the cartoon exposition thing of, wow, the sonic waves from Shocker's gauntlet also affected the symbiote it's just a thing that happens and they don't talk about it if, if you I've don't always... even notice it it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter if you don't even notice it but i noticed it and i thought it was fucking cool i've always thought that the most effective the, the villain that would be the most effective against the symbiote would be the shocker because this whole thing oh, is shock sure. waves mm-hmm. the symbiote really doesn't like those absolutely either that or i don't know spider punk because he has a guitar i don't i'm sure there is but i i hope there's an issue uh where Spider-Man and the Shocker team up to fight Venom. That'd be fun. Either that or just have Peter like reverse engineer his own Shocker gauntlets. I'm sure it's possible. But yeah, a great, great little, I want to say subtle, but it happens like in the middle of the fucking screen. So maybe it's not that subtle, but I don't know. If you're paying attention, you you catch it, that the symbiote is also semi-disrupted by the Shocker's gauntlet. Uh, Doc Ock grabs Peter and attempts to impale him on the rhino's horn is what he, he wants to do. Yeah, Dr. Ock, he's like, well, I guess there's a lot of obsession with impaling in this movie. Yeah, like in a children's show, he says, we can impale his heart on the rhino's horn. Just, okay, Wait, this is, this right. is a kid. This is a kid's show. So instead of saying kill, they usually say destroy or uh, impale. All right. But not here. They just say we're going to fucking impale you now. Um, at this point, Electro loses control of his powers, as we're all aware they can't be contained, um, forcing Octavius to drop Spider-Man. Spider-Man then clocks Octavius, knocking him out, and lifts him by his coat, about to impale him on one of his own tentacles, before Captain Stacy orders Spider-Man to stand down, and he leaves. And, like, I know it's the symbiote, you know, doing all this. I'm, I'm not that dumb. I know it's the symbiote making Peter be evil, but, like... Jesus Christ, Otto, out of all these people that have been fucking with you for years, you're going to pick like the most recent addition to the team and kill him. OK, whatever. All right. Fuck this guy in particular, who by all accounts a week ago was the most nebbish little dork on the planet. But all right, kill him, Peter, whatever. It's what he, you know, he rose up in the ranks real quick. Uh, back at home, Peter wakes up more exhausted than when he'd gone to bed. And I should mention, I, I did a kind of bad job of telling this, I guess, but I also did a bad job of perceiving it when it happened. Peter is, like, not Peter in this fight. This is, like, yes. Peter's sleeping body being piloted by the symbiote, which I it's, didn't understand until it was pointed out to me, I guess, by the show. It's part of the reason why he doesn't say anything in that whole fight mm-hmm. is because Peter goes to sleep uh, after... They do make some remark about him not quipping as much, I think, too. Peter goes Peter goes to sleep uh, like, I think before may comes back right. uh he doesn't realize that she's had a heart attack and has gone to the hospital and so he mm-hmm. goes to sleep and he's like i wish that uh 
I could wake up and all and, Do- and Dr. Octopus and his cronies would all be in jail. Uh, and so while he's asleep, the suit grabs a hold of his body and takes him over uh, to where they are and he beats the shit out of them. And that's why he doesn't say anything the whole time because he's actually like his eyes move and stuff, but he never says anything because he's unconscious the whole time. Super, super interesting. I that, that it's, really blew it's me away. Really cool. Once I realized everything and it settled on me, I was like, "That's fucking incredible! That's amazing!" And it's and it's also based off of the stuff that goes on in the comics, where the suit takes hold of him at night mm-hmm. and uh, makes him like go off and fight crime and stuff just to exhaust him and take more energy from him. Peter, he he wakes up in the morning more exhausted than when he'd gone to bed and finds a yeah. cut on his arm that wasn't there. Uh, perplexed by this, he finds photos of Spider-Man's fight with the Sinister Six that he has no recollection in participating in and realizes that the symbiote has, you know, done exactly what we've discussed here and used him to fight the Sinister Six. Yeah, he, he says op- he says he wasn't wearing the suit. The suit was wearing him. Mm-hmm. With this in mind, he still opts to keep the suit, re- uh, reasoning that as long as I got him paid, none of this matters. MJ interrupts his brooding and informs him that his aunt, who had he had assumed was still upstairs in bed, has had a heart attack and is in the hospital. Capping off this 11th episode of the show. Shit is getting crazy. Yeah, we are in the throes of the black suit. Moving to our penultimate episode of the season, Intervention. Fun name. A lot of the names for this uh, series are cribbed from uh, Chemistry. Uh, if you haven't caught on to that yet. Just, yeah, you know, they're, they're... science-y stuff. They talk about how they're all based on, uh, I don't know if this would be, I think since you're now talking about, it, I don't think it would be under your trivia category. Yeah, uh, no, I was all just, the ep- just pointing it out here. Yeah. All the episodes are based off of, uh, like subjects in school. Cause the, the, the writers wanted it to be based on like sort of the theme of like the education of Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this first season, like the first three episodes are all like biology terms. Uh, and then the next four are all economic terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the next three are all based on uh, chemistry. And then the last four are all psychology terms. And that obviously continues into the next season. So it's, I, I really, I really like it. I I found a little of that stuff, but I didn't actually realize all that. That's super interesting. You've, you've triviaed me, Lex. Get out triviaed. <laughs> I I pack your things, get out, you know. Uh, <laughs> meat, such a box of Christmas meat. At the beginning of this penultimate episode intervention, uh, Peter is rushing to the hospital, having learned of his aunt's heart attack, and is confronted outside by Eddie Brock. Uh, Peter is relieved to learn Aunt May will survive. Before we even go into that. For this one episode, Peter is like, I don't know if the symbiote created this or he like wore this outfit. He's wearing like this black t-shirt and this belt and these brown pants, or I think they're brown. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he looks fucking shredded in this shirt. He looks cut. I, no one mentions this ever also. He looks so buff in this He's episode. exactly, exactly as muscular as he was in the Spider-Man suit on Halloween, which anybody could easily just be like, Oh, cool muscle suit. Way to go, Peter. He's just fucking jacked. He looks like Jason Momoa. He's like fucking ripped. <laughs> He's like when Mac got ripped. It's all, it's all glamour muscles, you know? It's all... Yeah. <laughs> it's but he, insane. He has a brief confrontation with Eddie outside before he goes up into the hospital. Um, is this where he puts him up against the wall? 
Yeah, I think so. A, it's at the hospital. I I don't. I want to say it might be later when they have like the the lost my job talk. I think that is then actually. This one is more just uh, verbal confrontation. I think before he heads on up to see Aunt May. Uh, where when he does go up there, he learns Aunt May is not only going to survive, but, you know, she's going to be fine uh, as long as, you know, she doesn't dress herself out too hard in typical Aunt May fashion. Aunt May laughs off pretty much all of this and, and tells Peter to go to school. Uh, on his way to school, Peter is confronted with the bill for Aunt May's medical services. You know, uh, always in the red, but now, good fucking God, got even more money to make now. Uh, this causes him to lash out at Gwen, MJ, and Liz when they try to comfort him. Uh, you know, resident polyamorous king Peter Parker being consoled by three women at once. Peter gets so many bitches in this show. All, all he has the stamina to do is go, I need fucking money, and run away screaming. You guys, if I, are you gonna help me, you motherfuckers? But yeah, Peter, it, it also happens in the next episode. Peter gets so many bitches. Yeah. Chick I mean, can you blame him? He's, he's Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Man. Yeah, in that black t-shirt where he's fucking cut. Hell yeah. <laughs> Peter storms off, you know, screeching about money and makes his way to Tombstone's Tower, Lincoln Tower. Not only is he screeching about money, he's also uh, talking about uh, himself in, in like plural or he's yeah, like, we us. need this money. Mm-hmm. It's like, Which yeah, I mean, oh, you know, oh, yeah, he's going evil mode. Anybody that he's talking to would just infer that he's probably talking about May, but uh, we we tap my little finger to my temple here. We know better. Um, oh, yeah. He easily dispatches Tombstone's bodyguards and uh, agrees to accept the gangster's earlier job offer. Uh, look the other way occasionally. You can fight all the all the crime in the world that you want. Supervillains. Uh, Regular villains, you know, bank robbers. But when when the crime involves Tombstone and Tombstone needs you to look away, look away for this Fendi case full of money. Um, Tombstone agrees to give him this job offer, but tells Spider-Man that he is forbidden from fighting petty crime for one week in order to prove his loyalty. Let let the muggings happen. Let just let it happen. It's all good. Yeah, he he can't he can't stop any crime unless it's uh, a, da- a danger to public safety. Mm-hmm. Let the little stuff go for one week. Uh, at the Connors lab, uh, Eddie learns that he is out of a job. Uh, the funding given to the study to uh, you know research the alien and and look into it and all that that's the funding is cut because there's no alien. With the funding cut. Uh, Eddie's grant to attend ESU is also, you know, reneged. So this really lowers Eddie from he's already, you know, dealing with the fact that he's lost his lifelong best friend over stupid bullshit. And this just, you know, brings him even lower to the point where we need him to be in the story. He's fucking Um, losing it. He. uh, From there, we get uh, a lunch with MJ and Gwen. They have a really, really great conversation here. Uh, just the two of them talking about uh, what to do about Peter. Absolutely. Uh, MJ comforts Gwen and also urges her to confess her feelings to Peter, which, you know, come on, shoot your shot. It's only Peter Parker. Uh, <laughs> cut only Wallflower Peter, Peter Parker. Who cares? While uh, Peter returns to the hospital where he is, again, like we mentioned, confronted by Eddie again. 
loudly blaming him for being the reason that he's lost his job. Peter very coldly rebukes Eddie, and the two get into a very brief fight that ends with Peter having Eddie up against the wall uh, before a security guard breaks it up. Peter ignores another phone call, this time from Gwen, and is confronted by Flash, who, uh, instead of kicking Flash's ass, Flash just kind of calls him out for being way too aloof towards the people that care about him the most. Maybe maybe aloof's not even the best word. He's He's beyond aloof he's he's actively... he's aggro he's straight up aggro so yeah flash uh chides peter for a good while uh peter's been acting very unbecoming to the people that make him who he is and keep him centered and he's got even, like the symbiote version of roid rage even flash is noticing and that's that's a concern uh peter leaves to clear his head not having not kicked Flash's ass or pressed him up against the wall like he did with Eddie. And um, he does come to the realization that the symbiote is negatively influencing him to a degree that he cannot stomach anymore. Uh, this is, I imagine, what you were talking about when we get to the intensely Raimi segment of the show. Like, like directly ripping off, essentially, almost. I don't know. Yep. He arrives at a church uh, in a church bell tower and uh, desperately ignores the symbiote's attempts to convince him to keep it and to remain paired with it. He attempts to rip it off and uh, during the struggle collides with a bell, disrupting the symbiote. And is that the part where we get like the like straight up frame for frame, like it leaps off of him and screams a little bit like it does in the Raimi movies? It, it like exactly in profile, like the same as the Sandman stuff. The part I'm talking about comes later in the same episode. Uh, after mm-hmm. he ends up banging on it, uh, the symbiote like takes control and is like uh, going to like take him like to a mind dimension to like convince mm-hmm. him to like bond with it once again. And so... As as such, we get uh, our first look at the origin story in this universe, yeah. which is uh, there's a, quite a bit of it that's taken from uh, the original from Amazing Fantasy. It's basically two different sources: Amazing Fantasy 15, where he like climbs up the wall and gra- and crushes the pipe and stuff like that. But I'd say about seventy five percent of it is lifted directly from Raimi one. Uh, the spiders and Gwen looks in and says, Oh, one's missing. Uh, the, the entire sequence with the wrestling promoter and the money being stolen. It's literally like they even like recreate the shots when he flashes back after he catches him where it's like the guy running and then the guy in the elevator and he smiles and nods at him. It's the exact, it's like shot for like like the fucking Gus Van Sant psycho shot for shot remake. And honestly, as derivative as it is, I kind of fucking love it, especially love it. especially the amazing fantasy parts you were talking about where he's talking to himself about how he can crawl up the wall now and all that. And it's just yeah, and like he looks <sighs> at his finger and like little hairs grow out. And I've and I've said before that uh, Rainy One is uh, one of my favorite, if not straight up my favorite live action Spider-Man movie. And honestly, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to make a big statement here. Oh boy! The more I've the more I've been thinking about it, it might just straight up be my favorite Spider-Man movie. That that would be valid. You and especially us, everybody, especially us, love Spider-Verse. And I still, at the end of the day, I think I have to hand it to that. 
<laughs> we could just sit here and have our whole Raimi one and two episode again. Those are solid fucking movies. Sp- Spider Verse, Spider Verse is still a five star movie, but there's something oh, yeah. about Raimi one that is so magical. It's bombastic. It's 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 a Spider Man story. It's got little tiny horror elements sprinkled it's, throughout. But it's great. like when uh, Peter and eventually when Uncle Ben shows up, voiced by the late Ed Asner, dudes rock. Fucking great. Uh, Show when he shows up, they have almost the exact same conversation line for line in a fucking car in, in the a car outside car. of the outside of the library. Almost yeah, a it, almost a line for line recreation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, fuck it, dude. Let, let's go for it. I love that. And also later on, uh, they end up keep fighting. They keep fighting in the mind realm. The symbiote keeps showing up to be like. uh you know, what, what is all this suffering? You know, they keep taking things away from us. Well, if we'll join us and we'll, we'll fight together. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. It's trying to like turn to the dark side, essentially. And then yeah. Ben keeps showing up and it's like, eh, let me show you. I was really done. He, like, this happens like a... three times. <laughs> Uncle Ben, like f- fights him a psychic mind dimension against yeah. the symbiote. And it's awesome. Not exactly. Point is you're changing into the man you're going to be. And just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. With great power, there must also come great responsibility. Pretty words. But what good do they do? We still went to the venue. We still let the cat burglar go. He came down to take this car and took Ben away from us. From him, not you. That's not the point. And I'll prove it. It's it's pretty great, yeah. Like like Lex mentioned, the the symbiote has engulfed Peter and has him in like the, the his own mind's eye, trying to convince him that he's useless with it. Uh, he's made to relive his very Raimi, very comic book origin. Um, and I love that they saved that for like the end of the season. I I can't imagine there was anyone anywhere going, God damn it! How did he become Spider Man? I need to know. I want to know. Get the you money shot. Know. Get We're the money shot anyway, right there in at the end. But um, through all of this, the the symbiote nearly does succeed. But as you mentioned, the apparition of Uncle Ben Asner appears and um, restores Peter's resolve and enables him to use the power of friendship to repel the symbiote. The power of friendship and a a recreation of the cover of Amazing (laughs) Spider-Man 100. Yeah, yeah. Which is, Um, it's great. It's a great, great fucking sequence. As derivative as it is, it's really good. And I do want to mention, like I said earlier, he has his whole little like Harry Potter moment of all his loved ones are with him and they're going to help him win and everything. And fucking Norman is just there. right at the end when he beats the symbiote in the mind realm. Uh, ben is like, I'm always here. It's like, fuck, yeah, let's go. I'm fucking amped. Mm hmm. This straight uh, up is my favorite episode of the season. I love this episode so much. I, I so. enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Peter, Peter, Spider-Man rips the symbiote from his body. Uh, and puts it in a bucket. Puts it in a goddamn brown burlap <laughs> sack he found. No way. That's that's the next episode. In this episode, oh, he, is puts it? It in a bu- he puts it in a bucket in this episode. You're right. You're right. He, there he will be it, a burlap he, sack. He rips he rips chunks off of the suit and puts it in a in a bucket. It's just here at the top of the church tower. And it's the, the church bucket. And then he just leaves. He does indeed just leave, returning it to the lab. There, there's no Eddie waiting below, uh, seeking forgiveness, finding religion. 
Uh, <laughs> he just takes it, he puts it in a bucket and takes it back to Connor's lab. Where he does encounter Eddie Brock, who is not looking for religion, but science. Eddie is initially overjoyed to see the alien returned. But when Peter begins to freeze the symbiote in an attempt to kill it, his joy becomes shock and rage. Uh, the symbiote breaks free from the ice encasing it, and Eddie willingly, voluntarily bonds with it. Uh, when it is revealed to him by the symbiote that his two enemies are the same and that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, uh, Eddie, Eddie, for lack of a better word, hulks out and becomes transformed into the monster we will eventually know as Venom. Going Venom uh, mode. Let's go. Venom moment. Ending our penultimate episode and bringing us to the 13th and final episode of the first season of the Spectacular Spider-Man, Nature versus Nurture. Uh, this might be my favorite episode of the season. I That's a, that's a good a, choice. It's a solid two-parter. Uh, I really, really did enjoy uh, some of the previous, you know, little guy villain episodes, but it's it's just been building to this. Uh, the Sinister oh, yeah. Six was fun. I'm a big sucker for... In in short order, the Clone Saga followed by the Black Suit Saga. I this I, this back half of the season is like it's low Green Goblin arc immediately followed by Black Suit slash Venom arc. It's fucking just a with great the Sinister Six mixed into that. It's with it's, the Sinister Six slipped in there. Dudes rock. Let's go and done well. I should mention they bounce. Um, they un, unlike some people. They've managed to balance all of these different characters and arcs going on at the same time, balancing it really well. And it makes me wonder if Spider-Man or just it, it makes you realize why superhero comics are these long form serialized stories, mm -hmm. because that's the best way to do it. Yeah, it's it's all it, and it makes me appreciate how hard it is to to tell a cohesive story that also balances all these things in a movie, because there's not as much time as you get in a television yeah. show. Well. It's all NBD to him, of course. It's all NBD. He's Bendy, Tough Mutter, EDM. Uh, get a get a I'm, DJ under Spidey. I'm never gonna let that go. I'm never gonna let that go. Uh, fucking, nature fucking versus son. nurture. Uh, having rid himself of his symbiote, Peter then goes to Tombstone to renege on his deal. Uh, by apprehending a gang of masked goons and giving him their masks as a warning. Very, very Rorschach move of Peter there. Very, fuck you, I'm out. Uh, following his departure, Tombstone is immediately approached by Venom, who uh, offers to take up the job that Spider-Man has been offered, rejected, accepted, and then rejected. Uh, Tombstone accepts on one condition. He wants Spider-Man dead. The next morning at the hospital, Peter visits its aunt and brings into a uh, picture of Uncle Ben with him, uh, berating himself, very, very self-flagellating for his his recent cold and callous behavior to his loved ones. He goes to school and goes out of his way to offer Flash a thank you for the reality check he offered him, which is is nice in recognition. It's it's fun to think about. Oh, Jesus Christ, would he have kept that thing around longer if Flash Thompson hadn't said something? My God. Uh, Flash begrudgingly acknowledges him, but tells him, you know, don't mention it to anyone or else. Nice little Eugene moment there, I guess. Uh, 
Also, yeah, this this was, I believe, the first media before Amazing to, like, point out and make a pointed, like, oh, Eugene thing outside the comics, which, you know, nice. Uh, there's probably there's probably versions of it outside of it, but I can't believe you never knew that his name was Eugene. I, before, dude, I can't right? fucking believe that either. And I'm you're a, I'm, you're a fucking fake Spider-Man fan. I'm gatekeeping you right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm only like a dozen and a half episodes of my podcast in. And this is where it's revealed. I got to turn my you're Spider-Man a, card in, guys. I didn't know his name in, was dude. Eugene. I'm str- I'm stri- I'm stripping your badge. You're, I'm t- I'm kicking you out of the league, dude. You're out of here. It's just going to be welcome to Spidey Signals, the podcast where Lex talks about Spider-Man. Just me, and I'll bring my friends on. I'll be a rotating cast of characters. You're going to get bonded to a symbiote and find out your greatest enemy, Alex, is actually Alex. Well, I mean, granted, we had King on this show, and they didn't know anything about Spider-Man, so that's I, very true. We, yeah. we play it, we play it fast and loose here. You either know everything about Spider-Man or nothing on this podcast. There's no in between. That's and the I've, way I've, it works. I've moved to nothing. Sorry, guys. I need to turn my Eugene <laughs> card in. Just um, like just either... like Steve Ditko's old objectivist comic, Mister A. There is no gray. There is only black and white. Good mm-hmm. and evil. He uh, Peter also apologizes to his 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 gang, his group of friends, for snapping at them the other day, and you know a lot of other days. Uh. Liz goes from there to invite him to help hold the school football team's uh, mascot balloon at the upcoming uh, redacted Thanksgiving Day Parade. (laughs) I like how they're all like, oh, it's the New York City Thanksgiving Day Parade. And like they're contractually nobody fucking say Macy's. I swear to God. Don't fucking say it. I'm going (laughs) to kill you. We can't pay uh, those goddamn (laughs) licensing fees. Peter says that he intends to bring Aunt May home and uh, Gwen urged on by MJ awkwardly volunteers to help him. Uh, sweet moment. MJ uh, informs Peter that Eddie is more begrudged than Peter seems to be aware of, uh, and Peter makes an attempt to call and apologize and semi-explain things away. Venom answers the phone, uh, very coolly telling Peter that he'll meet up what? with him later with, you know, more sinister intention behind that. than one Peter thing I love about the way Venom but, looks in this show is he's built like a fridge. Like he's just got yeah. little tiny legs, but a huge top side. Just yeah, do, do, do. Yeah, that's more in line with the comics than some of the other portrayals we've seen. Venom is a very he's like wider than the rhino. He's fucking huge. He's, he's got that like Captain America triangle top half of his body. He's like he's like uh, Rob Liefeld, Captain America. He's got huge yeah, tits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good old, good old Liefeld. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, uh, great, great Venom. And I really like that when like the 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 symbiote peels back, it's still got like the strands across his face. Kind of it's good stuff. I like it a lot. Uh, at the hospital, May is given a clean bill of health by a way more flirtatious than should be doctor. I don't know. Yeah, we don't even know this doctor's too, name. He's just he's, uh, the, the doctor guy. He's in love with May, from what we can glean. Yeah, um, she he calls her his favorite heart patient. Yeah, and just he's just like super complimentary from there. And it's like if this guy was my doctor, I'd be like, Peter, get me out of here now. Um, <laughs> trying to, people trying to mack on May. Um, Peter is volunteering to handle Thanksgiving uh, at home as he thinks May might be still a little too, you know, heart attacky to handle Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, heart, uh, heart attacky. Yeah, that's the medical term. I'm a doctor. Um, unfortunately, Peter makes a awful mess of the kitchen. 
uh, he also discovers the vial of gene cleanser that he had uh, taken earlier uh, following the lizard incident uh, while he's changing into his costume. He contemplates drinking it, uh, but is attacked by Venom, God forbid, who reveals that he knows who Peter is. Peter recognizes the symbiote and expresses disbelief that it survived and bonded itself to another human being, uh, but Venom sneers at him and easily defeats him, saying that he intends to make Peter suffer for rejecting the symbiote. Uh, great, great stuff here. I am so used to bad Venom stories that it like really takes me by surprise when we got a good one here. And I know I've probably oh, yeah. said that a few times, but god damn, it's just... It, it's done it right, and it doesn't it doesn't have to be pitch perfect to the comics to be right. I don't mean that when I say it gets it right. Uh, you can tell a whole new story and still get it right or get it wrong. Uh, I just, you know, I, I cannot understate how much I like the symbiote arc and all of this before we, you know, finish it off here. It's really well done. Not much else mm-hmm. to say beyond that. Uh Peter realizes that Venom is uh, targeting Aunt May for some reason and chases him to a hospital where May is uh, examining an anonymously given get well card sent by Venom. There's there's also Peter ends up smacking into a giant uh, web that spells out. Guess who? Yeah, I I love that. I love that. that Eddie is like still doing like the spelling shit with webs that uh, mm-hmm, Eddie and mm-hmm. Spider-Man three did. I love that he does that. Just like he's not quite fuck. as good as replicating that font, but uh, it's, not, it's he's good. not quite replicating the Spider-Man font, but it is very funny. Uh, Spider-Man attacks Venom before he can strike at the hospital and Venom opts to uh, target Peter's love interest from there, revealing himself as Eddie Brock. Uh, which I thought was weird in the middle of the fight, just to go bro in such a way to like play that card, you know. But I, I got he had to find out somehow. I guess I don't know. The, the, he's just trying to fuck with him. Exactly. He tells Peter he's going to go after uh, who he loves the most, and Peter thinks that that would be Mary Jane. Uh, think I don't know if he if that's how he's thinking or that's how he thinks Venom would be thinking. Maybe he's just too stupid to know that uh, he likes Gwen and Gwen likes him. I don't know. It's Peter. Uh, Spider-Man rushes towards the parade. The, the, of course the, the Thanksgiving day parade. Um, uh, sorry, I lost my track here. Flash is attempting to flirt with MJ. Uh, Peter is keeping an eye on MJ from above watching all of this, and he discovers too late that Eddie's actual target is Gwen, uh, chasing after them only to find Gwen's discarded saxophone on the road. Poor, poor band geek Gwen. Good God. Uh, Peter. <laughs> that that event- reed is probably broken. Oh, yeah. For she's sure. going to go buy a Rip. new reed. What a pain in the ass. Uh, Peter does find Gwen suspended from the Midtown High bal- mascot balloon. Uh, but before he can rescue her, Venom attacks, where it's revealed uh, in traditional fashion that Peter's spider sense is uh, not working with the symbiote uh, due to the quality time that they spent together. He refers to the symbiote as the symbi at one point here, which made me go like, oh, God, all right. I think it might be later in this fight, but we also get to see like 
uh, the Spider-Man wants Venom to shut the fuck up, so he webs him in the mouth, and then suddenly a mouth <laughs> appears on Venom's stomach and starts talking, which is so I fucked loved up. Loved it. Uh, it's very the thing. Uh, it's like it's like a real Ghostbusters action figure. Like they'd have those people that would turn into ghosts. Yeah, like, straight yeah, up. Yeah, it is. Oh my god, it's great though, and it's you don't see a lot of like on-screen opportunities for Venom to like take advantage of his like fluid creature taking the shape of something else nature and it, it yeah it makes perfect sense that if his mouth was covered well guess what bitch i can have a mouth anywhere he's lucky he didn't turn around and have a mouth on his ass like talking to him uh it's great i love it really cool spider-man desperately tries to persuade eddie to reject the symbiote but uh he's rebuked by venom preventing him from reaching the balloon as the symbiote's webbing suspending gwen begins to fray uh Spider-Man goads and prods Venom into slashing the balloon so it will land gently, but uh, Venom snaps the lines and tackles Spider-Man when he attempts to carry Gwen to safety. He free falls for a bit, and, you know, it's a children's cartoon, so don't be concerned by falling Gwen Stacy as much as you should be, I guess. Uh, she's caught in the hand of the balloon by the football team. Yeah. The football team, the football team comes together and flash is like, we got to go save Gwen. And the football guys are like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Real. Yeah. Very. Absolutely. It is. Mike's the likes to say, you know, everyone likes to see the football team win in the movie. Well, God damn it. They do here. Uh, what episode was that? He, he makes some analogy about like, that's what people like with happy endings. They like the football team ending. Uh, I, I cannot remember what episode it is, but if you look it up, that's that's a phrase Mike has used. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go look it up right now. I've just been watching a lot of. I've just been watching a lot of RLM videos. And I remember seeing that. Oh, for sure. I know. I name dropped Gone Girl earlier. I just watched that for the first time this week, and I don't remember if there's a half in the bag. So that'll be the rest of my night. It's on my list. Uh, Spider-Man attempts to take Venom down, uh, but is sent flying through a water tower. Uh, he thinks on it and realizes that he cannot win this on his own and that the symbiote is trying to prove a point. So in a another great moment of Peter showing his like intuition and smarts, he offers himself to the symbiote as like a tribute, sacrifice, return to me kind of thing. Venom uh, initially scoffs at the notion, but Eddie slips up with his first person pronouns, uh, which Pete calls him out on. And the symbiote immediately abandons him, causing him to pass out from the, I suppose, the energy consumption that had been working on him. Yeah. It attempts to uh, bond itself to Peter again, only to realize that it's been deceived and those emotions are cut off. We get another great little power of friendship moment here in his mind dungeon, I guess. Uh, Peter prevents it from rebonding to Eddie by scooping it into a convenient brown burlap sack. And dropping it into a pool of freshly poured concrete, uh, very much in the same way he took out the the Sandman in an earlier episode. He just puts this incredibly dangerous alien in a burlap sack and carries it to a construction site. It's so Fucking, funny. When I was seven years old, my dad found a snake in the backyard and we put it in a pillowcase and drove out to the woods to drop it off. And when we got into the woods, we realized the pillowcase had a hole in it, and we didn't have the snake anymore. Fucking... <laughs> that's when the first thing I thought of when Peter put the symbiote in a bag. A bag that is woven of threads that have minute space between them. Like you, I, I But can... whatever. But whatever. It's, it's so funny. It's so funny. 
He just puts it in a bag. Peter's solution for two villains in this series has been cover them in concrete. That'll do it. And I guess it worked the first time, so... You know, that, that could you, I could I get you could solve most problems that you have by covering them in concrete. I've always Why said that web uh, shooters, you should have concrete shooters. I've always said that, you know, in the movie, you know, the movie It Follows, where you have I that, that the, know of it, but I've not seen it. The whole if you don't know, listeners, about the movie It Follows, is that there is uh, there's like a sexually transmitted ghost that will attack you, and the whole point of it is is that it disguises itself as random people. And it will just walk towards you until it gets to you, and then it will fuck you to death. That's a real thing that happens. It follows as a very good movie. But anyway, my solution to beating the monster from It Follows is that it has the strength of like a normal person, and you can like stun it by shooting it in the head, and it'll fall down, and but it'll get back up. But my solution is that when you when you uh, when the monster is coming towards you, you basically just trick it into falling into a giant hole that you fill with concrete, like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. That's how you beat the <laughs> or, monster. From or Spider Man, I guess, by that same. Or Spider Man, because if you trap it in concrete, it can't move because it's just a person. It has the strength. It's a ghost, but it's the strength of a person, and it doesn't. It can't move on to the next person until it kills you. Uh, so. You know, normally it would be like the only way to to get rid of it is to have sex with somebody else, and then it'll kill them, and then it'll eventually get back to you in the list. So no, just just you finish it by just putting them in concrete. Then the ghost can't chase after you, and it won't hurt anybody else. There you go. I just solved the movie. There you go. That's also, I guess, uh, no way home spoilers. Peter's just gonna defeat all of his villains by teaming up with the other Peters and spraying them with cement. Anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, we're talking about the ending of season one. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot what this is a yeah. Spider-Man podcast. Yeah. Welcome to uh, Alex and Lex talk about movies. Only one of them has seen <laughs> this week. Gone Girl and It Follows. Where we talk about <laughs> Venom and Gone Girl and It Follows. But yes, uh, Peter defeats the symbiote by dropping a bag of goo into more viscous, thicker goo. Uh, dudes rock. That's all I got. Uh, Peter returns home victorious to find Aunt May already there uh, with Gwen and Captain Stacy arriving for dinner as well, helping him clean up the mess he made. And uh, after dinner, we get possibly my favorite scene of the entire uh, the entire show so far, I should say, where Peter takes the gene cleanser that he's had with him this whole time. He really, really, truly ruminates on the nature of, you know, he's already had this this talk with himself earlier when he decided not to drink it. But he he makes the realization and talks to himself about Spider-Man helps people that that is what he does. That is what Peter does. That is his that's to be his destiny is to be Spider-Man and to help people to prevent the bad things from happening. So he pours the gene cleanser down the drain in a. A, a declaration that Spider-Man is here to stay. As my only thought is, you mm-hmm. never know when you might need a gene cleanser in the future. I did think that too. Like, oh my god, what if the lizard acts up again? Right? What the? That's fuck? gonna come back. I feel like that's gonna come back to bite him in the ass. Like, it absolutely the gene has. Cleanser to. again. It, it, it's a stupid move to have flushed it, but I do really love the the poignancy of the message here about Spider-Man. It's a good way. It's a good way of recapping the the conflict that yeah. Peter has throughout the season. Uh, the Stacys get ready to go. Peter and Gwen kind of awkwardly say goodnight. 
But before she can fully commit to running off, Gwen turns back on her heel and gives Peter a big, long kiss and runs back off again, leaving Peter uh, not only dumbfounded and happy at this, but also reminding him of Venom's sinister threats, uh, so to speak. About about going after the one person that loves him the most. Yeah, briefly, kind of filling that gap in in his own brain there. Uh, that, then that's why he thinks that he, that's why the first person he goes to, he thinks uh, it's Mary Jane. Yeah. It's actually Gwen. But that is where we leave off with the first season of the spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, oh yeah, baby. That is, that is the end. We are halfway there. Good ass season. Absolutely. Alex. Uh-huh. Do you have any fun facts? Not a tremendous, terrible amount. Not not really anything grand to speak of. Uh, we did briefly we, we mention already... the the uh, the episode naming conventions of this. Uh, I might as well go through the second season ones. And the thing about the naming conventions is that uh, all the episodes that have like the same theme, they're all like arcs that connect to each other. Uh, which is why I think for the next episode, instead of doing six and then seven, we're going to do seven episodes and then six to complete nice. those arcs nice uh so for the first uh four episodes of season two they're all uh engineering themed uh and then the next three after that are all uh psychology themed again so it's like actually no it's it's developmental stuff uh, it's first steps and growing pains and identity crisis so it's all like uh, child development uh, and then the next three after that are all criminology themed. So it's like accomplices, probable cause, gangland. And then the last three are all uh, theatrical terms. So it's subtext and opening night and final curtain. Very cool. You've you've outsleuthed me here. You are. I've outsleuthed you. You are trivial X. I dub the. I got more things to do for this damn podcast. I already edit everything. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, next with the next two episodes, I'm going to have a more comprehensive series of trivia. Uh, a lot of it was mired down in this being season one and there only being so much. A lot of the trivia that I have access to is more, like I've said, more comprehensive, I guess is a good word for it. So in the coming episodes, I'll have more than I was able to offer for these. Uh, but yeah, no, that's I really that's really interesting. The episode title thing, it's it's the thing that gets overlooked a lot because not every kid in the world is like me and would hit the info button on the remote and read the episode description and the episode title, you know. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's if you if you were that kid like I was and still very much am, it's it's something to appreciate for sure. You got anything else? Not not anything else specifically as far as fun facts for season one. No. Uh, All right. Just, just my retrospective round of fucking applause at how strongly they nailed everything for the first season of a Spider-Man show. Just seriously impressive. And I have no idea how this stayed off my radar for as long as it did. Yeah. Uh, going off for my final thoughts. It's th this in this back half of this first season, it got somehow even better. Uh, I don't know if I don't know what the general consensus is. Is the second season better? Is it worse? Is there a crazy cliffhanger on the final episode? I don't know. We uh, will know pretty soon. We'll find out. But I have really, really enjoyed this show so far. Uh, like I said, my favorite episode so far has been the stuff that's come in this uh, 
back half, uh, episode 12 in particular, has been really, really great. Uh, the story arcs have been well-written, blah, 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 blah. You've heard me say all this stuff. Uh, go watch the show. It's really good. I don't Absolutely. know if it's streaming anywhere. It might not be because of uh, all the le- the legal hangups about this television program, which we'll talk about in the mm-hmm. last episode, which led to its cancellation. It may or may not be streaming if you type in the name of the show and then the phrase streaming and then hit enter on your keyboard. I, I can't verify whether or not it'll take you to a site of dubious legality to watch the show, but you, you didn't. Yeah, I mean. I don't know when I when I uh, streamed this television program or I'm streaming this television program. Uh, I found it on this web on this webisode. Uh, <laughs> I found it on this website called like the Buccaneers Bargain or something like that. Uh, Jesus, next <laughs> you, you engage with an actual deep like on the sea pirate. I don't know, uh, Pirate Bay or something. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I used a VPN to, to torrent it or something and download it yeah, on my no, computer. I, I, I just like think really hard. I, I sit here with my fingers pressed to my temples and go, what do I think happened in the episode? I, yeah, I, I, I read the descriptions of the plot on Wikipedia and hold my and close my eyes and like press on my temples. And then I think about the episode. And that's what I watch. Rub my eyes really hard. Actually, <laughs> I'll start seeing stars, and then suddenly the episode will appear before me. I I am very much looking forward to the next two episodes here of our, our oh yeah show. Uh, I'm really excited to see how this caps off, and I'm going to be heartbroken if there's a cliffhanger. But uh, it's, that's going to fucking suck if there's a cliffhanger because this just didn't really end on a cliffhanger. This ended on a nice little a little bow that they had. Oh no, yeah. Catch us in five more years when Disney runs out of uh, or even more creatively bankrupt than they are. And they decide to make a season three. We'll cover it then. Yeah, I guess uh, on Disney Plus. Uh, but I don't think we have any letters today. Let me go double check the email. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we don't have any letters. Uh, but yeah, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got a question or a comment that you want us to read on next week's episode, be sure to send it to us at our email address, spideysignalspodcast at gmail.com, or you can shoot us a DM on our Twitter at spideysignals. Uh, We recorded this week on a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday when we usually do. So even if you were going to send it in, uh, it'll probably be late. Uh, Next week, we're going to cover the first uh, seven episodes of season two of The Spectacular Spider-Man. So until then, stay responsible. Uh, bye. And choose. Choose Martha. Go Mariners.